Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Day Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. This is big ol' week 93, which I have titled on my notes, Crazy Bitch Eyes. Oh, I can't wait to find out why. So, should be a fascinating week. Uh, Boy, we never recorded a good descriptor of this project, did we? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) We never, like, recorded a segment where one of us concisely explains what this dumb project is we should do that no instead we uh i mean we've recorded in a different way every yes every single time yeah. yeah uh you guys know how this is we're ranking the 93rd aired episodes of every <laughs> star trek series that existed at the time we started this project in 2017 so does not include discovery picard lower decks yeah <sighs> Why did not we do that this? Any of those have, not that any of those have a week 93, but you know what I mean. Why did we do this? None of your business is why. Yeah. We had a bad idea, and we've stuck to it out of stubbornness. Well, and now we're we're going down the slope. We're going... This is going to be the easy part of the project, so why quit now? That is true. We're on the backside where they start to start dropping off. And, anyway, it doesn't matter. Here's what we do on this show. This doesn't matter either, we reversed by the, way. the We reversed the finishing order from last week. The last week's... No, we don't... Yeah, we do, I guess. Depends on how you think of it. <laughs> do you just want to start over? <laughs> by which I mean never. this whole podcast. No, I'll never start over. Just welcome to Brotherhood Episode 1. Actually, There's never been any others. I was planning on when we do finish the, the Star Trek project, we just start over again. From, from hey. week one. Hey, why not? <laughs> we know that the first ten or so are scored that's right differently that's right so, we could give them much worse scores it would definitely be worse we, we could re- revise their scores down <laughs> last week we watched uh last week enterprise was last right that's right so this week we're starting with it we watched in a mirror darkly part one no That the magnetic fields? That is the magnetic fields from the album Get Lost from, I don't know, 1996. Pretty old now. Uh, we open with the Vulcan ship landing from First Contact, yeah. by which I mean it is literally footage from the end of the movie First Contact. You can tell the film is different and everything, the film quality. Yeah. Um, But in this one, this time around, mm-hmm. Zephram Cochran 
cold blasts the Vulcan that steps out with a shotgun, and then all of the fine people of Bozeman, Montana, rush his ship. In 2020, they would have been way more confident in making a CGI Z-Cock, but they just yeah, shot no, somebody's it, hand. And in, in in this one, one is just a close-up of a shotgun coming out of a trench coat, and then all of the extras rush the ship. Um, cut to special Mirror Universe Enterprise credits, where all of the exploration stuff is now war footage, and there's a lot of the Terran Empire symbol. Yeah, dude, trust the core, I know. Because we're in the mirror. Yeah, it is very trust the core. B5 did it better. Because <laughs> we are in the mirror universe. On ISS Enterprise, Phlox and Reed are showing off their new invention, the Agony Booth, to um, Armin Archer. He's there, but also the Enterprise's captain, our old buddy, Admiral Forrest. I don't know his first name. He's not an admiral here, but you know what I mean. Buddy. It's Forrest. He's back. I want to blow up. I want to think his name is Buddy. Probably Buddy Forrest, or, you know, it's probably just Greg or something. Could be. Um, anyway, he's captain of the Enterprise in the Mirror Universe right now. Um, he and Archer do a walk and talk about a report that Archer's received from Tholi in space and a ship that Archer wants to rescue, and Forrest thinks it's his chance at a big promotion, but anyway, he doesn't. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. You don't want to do it. Okay. They're not doing it. <sighs> In Forrest's quarters, Hoshi starts sexing up to him. Uh, oh, that's why you were you were taking a pause there. You were collecting yourself. This is very difficult. It's very difficult. She's in a lot of lingerie and she's being very sexy. And she's the captain's woman. You know the worst part of Mirror Mirror. I know that that happened in the original series, but I know what happened in every episode of the original series. So yeah, that is yes, it's true. It was it was less odd then. Yeah. Um. She's uh, seems like she's maybe angling for news about how the war is going that they're in. You know, and the the uh, space war. The battle does not go well, Enterprise. Uh. Uh, anyway, Archer mutinies immediately uh, against Forrest with the help of Mako's Reed and Mayweather. And then relieves to Paul of command on the bridge and sets course for Tholian space. She's got long blonde hair. And uh, her uniform is cropped both ways. It's uh, yeah, that's right. It's closer to the tit and closer to the vag. I would say. Yeah, <laughs> it is. They really not just a half shirt, but it's low rise pants as well. Who was it that introduced the idea of cum gutters to the nation? <laughs> was it D'Angelo in that Could music be. video? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's got those on display. Yeah, she's shredded and she wants to show it off, and I feel bad for Hoshi and everyone else. That's correct. Yeah, all of the other women on the ship also have to wear this outfit. Yeah. Not just uh, Jolene probably did a million crunches the two weeks before they filmed this Blaylock. Seems to work out about 11 hours a day, from what I can see. I mean, listen, she's in fantastic shape and good for her. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a weird combination of the new hair as well. Yep. Um, Don't worry. It's it, Enterprise was going to be the sexy show, but the Mirror Universe is even sexier. <laughs> That's right. It's... It is even sexier. Anyway, he re he relieves her of command, sets course for Tholian space, uh, tells Tipol to help Tucker install a Sulabon cloaking device so that they can complete this mission. Uh, then in his quarters, he shows Tipol the shotgun Zephram Cochran used to kill her great-granddaddy or whatever. In, I think some kind of attempt to put her in her place as a Vulcan slave? Yeah, the Vulcans didn't have such a good run in this universe. 
Yeah. But then he also promotes her to first officer over uh, Major Reed, Mako Major Reed, who she thinks is next in line. I guess Trip is uh, Trip ain't shit in this universe. Well, Reed was being kind of a dickhole over by the agony booth or whatever, so. Yeah, he says he doesn't trust Reed, and he shouldn't. He shouldn't <laughs> trust Reed in either universe, That's it right. turns out. Yep. Uh, he makes Sergeant Mayweather the head of his personal guard, and then Hoshi comes to see what's going on. And it turns out that these two have a past and she like threw him over for Forrest mm. when he either when he became captain or who knows whatever. But now she's uh, kissing his face and all of that shit. And then she pulls a <laughs> knife on him uh, and he doesn't seem too broken up about that knife. That's not a big deal to him. No, nah, he disarms her and just goes back to kissing. He's he yeah. likes that all that face kissing. Anyway, they show up at some warp signature they've been tracking, and it turns out just to be like a lone Tholian ship. And uh, they disable it, and he scuttles his ship, but not before Archer beams him into the decon chamber where they torture him with cold until he reveals the name of the Vintox system. Then Trip and T-Paul have a nasty Pawnfar conversation as they hook up the cloaking device, but then suddenly there's a big power relay explosion, and Trip gets a bunch of plasma burns. His face is like, he's already Christopher Piked up from too much Delta radiation working near the warp core. Yeah, he's got like one sad eye now. But now he's got plasma burns on top of it. It's a, it's a whole thing. Uh... Archer sends Mayweather to go search Forrest's personal files because he believes that there's a spy on board, and guess what? There is a spy on board, but it doesn't, this part doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> because Archer thinks that Admiral Black has a spy on board and Forrest says, well, why would I know about that? But then it turns out that Forrest has a, I don't know. <laughs> it's very, anyway, T-Pole's a spy. The good um, news is nothing in this episode matters. So that is true. It yeah. does not matter whether we get it exactly correct here. Uh... Reed thinks he's discovered that Trip caused the overload to sabotage the cloak, so Trip gets some time in the agony booth. Yeah. But then later in bed, Archer decides that Trip, it doesn't make any sense, that Trip could have just sabotaged the cloak right there. He didn't have to blow up the whole EPS conduit, and he starts to suspect people, but it's too fucking late. Because at this point, she has arrived at the brig with a couple of Vulcans armed, and Archer just pulls on his casual clothes and goes down there barefoot. And uh, he gets, uh, they force him back into the turbo lift and then they take the bridge. But Archer's one step ahead of him. Uh, well, he's two steps ahead of him. Number one, he had Hoshi email something to some other admiral, right. Fleet Admiral Gardner. And number two, he's locked the controls, Spock style. That's right. Or, uh, you know, I uh, Spock did it in um, the menagerie, but, or the cage, whichever one was the one we saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, also every also every single opponent in TOS locked the controls, and it turns out that that's extremely easy to do here too. So they're got to go to Tholian space anyway. I feel like Ray Wise locked them this week as well. Sorry, uh, the alien on Voyager. Archer no, was. I know who Ray Wise is. I was just <laughs> I was trying to remember if he. I guess he locked him on his own ship. I guess he does. Yeah, I think that's what he does. But I think. But I think also. First, he just took control of the ship and put up a force field. And then later, he locked it or shot it. Something like that. He just shot it. Sorry, yeah. I took us off off track of this great episode. Cool. Yep. Anyway, Archer gets to spend uh, 10 hours in the agony booth. But at this point, his insurance policy kicks in with Fleet Admiral Gardner. 
and Forrest springs him, and now he has specific orders to investigate. So he has Archer breach, brief the senior staff, and here's what's going on. The Tholians created an interphasic rift into a parallel universe, mm. and they used a distress call to lure a ship in from the other side because they were afraid to go through it themselves. Hey, yo, that totally fits. How dumb is Starfleet? They're like, uh-huh. hey, some rift opened up in space, and uh, there's a distress call on the other side. We should definitely fly right through. Yeah, well, you know, it 100% worked mm-hmm. because they captured the ship that came through. The crew had all killed. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. We talked about it when we did the Tholian Web because it turns out that the ship they captured is the USS Defiant from the episode The Tholian Web. Oh, shit. Yeah, so not only is it an Earth ship from a parallel universe, but it's also from 100 years in the future. And Archer's big plan is to raid it for technology. Hmm. Even though it looks so much less sophisticated than his own ship. <laughs> Looks less sophisticated, sounds less sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, T-Pole tells Trip that she used a sex mind melt to convince him to sabotage the power grid. That actually doesn't matter, but it is in there. Uh, Enterprise cloaks. They show up at the Vintok system. Sure enough, that ship is in there. Uh, T-Pole reveals that there are 13 alien biosigns on the ship. They prepare an assault. Um... Admiral Forrest sends Archer to lead the assault with orders to scuttle the Defiant, which he thinks is a mistake. But he also sends T-Paul with him, and she has orders to kill Archer. Yeah. They, so they space whole, pirates, you get it. Yeah, you understand how it's going here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beam in. It's basically the original Enterprise. They start searching it, but uh, the Tholian captive has an ability that was mentioned earlier and not was not useful uh, to scream real good in a way that other Tholians can hear maybe in space. <laughs> yep. And he starts doing that now. Uh, Forrest has it killed, but three Tholian ships close in on the Enterprise and then a bunch more. Uh, Archer starts bringing the Defiant back online. Meanwhile, the Tholian ships trap Enterprise in a web and start firing on it and they blow it all up. Uh, Forrest orders the crew to abandon ship, which they do in escape pods, though not everybody makes it, and Archer gets the Defiant online just as Enterprise is destroyed and to be continued. Why? Why to be continued? Why to be continued, though? Why, though? Matthew, what's this one about, Matthew? (laughs) Matthew. Yeah, I'm awake. Um... Matthew, what's this one about? The the constant the constant <laughs> let me say it like uh, like Gorgon. The constant fear of betrayal and conspiracy makes even the most powerful empire weak and fragile. I mean, I guess it's true. These guys are in some kind of space war. It doesn't sound like it's going very well, and you can see why. They just <laughs> pirates. They're just out there betraying each other every fucking day like they're all Kwong Su. It's super wild that they could have ever built a fleet or can get anything done mm-hmm. with what we see here. They're like, like the Klingons, but but they're like Klingons and pirates. I did I couldn't tell yeah. exactly what they were going for. I mean, is it supposed to be like the USSR or... Yeah, but, but it's like, can you imagine the guys at the shipyard... Like, okay, uh, well, we had five mutinies on five different project teams, so... <laughs> We're a little behind. Are, 
So we're projecting delays again. Oh, I guess you're going to know everyone can use the hollow whips to try and make people go faster. (laughs) But believe it or not, that encourages more mutinies. So turns out. Yeah, I know. Oh, you're going to put me in the agony booth. That's going to put us behind schedule a little bit more. I think. Yeah, guys. Anyway, the mirror universe has never been a realistic portrayal. Well, that's why I have. I guess it's much actually much more realistic in Deep Space Nine, isn't it? Yeah, DS9, I think, is the most realistic version of it. Yeah. This may be the least realistic version. And I know we didn't really see a lot of the Mirror Universe when Kirk went over there because all the all the Kirk's team just got put in prison. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> One minute in. <laughs> they just found them and was like, no, nah, they in prison. They weren't real. We could tell. Yeah. That guy showed up. He was foaming at the mouth. We put him in jail. Um, But this version was... uh. It was a cartoon. Um, so anyway, I had written, like, is this a metaphor? <laughs> I don't know. Is it supposed to be? What do you think? I I don't. I, I do not know. So it's not supposed to be anything. It's a what if. They wanted to do a big what if, and they had a lot of fun doing their what if. Well, anyway, the take of constant fear of betrayal and conspiracy makes even the most powerful empire weak and fragile. I gave that a five because I guess it's true. I don't know what else to do with it. Mm, 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 mm. Ben's a three. Okay. He's just what if. <laughs> well, that's a three? Yeah. Come on, Ben. Him. Uh, I tried to think about what the people in the universe were doing. And so my take was maybe something like you have to be able to set caution or paranoia aside and take big risks. Okay. Like Mirror Archer is oh, maybe a little bit too trusting, right? Sure. And, but and he's and he's uh, rather than succumb to paranoia, he's putting it out there both on this uh, crazy mission and also, you know, with the mutiny and then with keeping Forrest alive for no obvious reason and all of the other stuff. So it did kind of seem like Mirror Archer was like Mirror Garrick, where he wasn't that far from well the real universe it, version of himself. It kind of makes sense, and I kind of do also wish that Flocks had been played just exactly the same. Because <laughs> then right? our unified theory are, about the Mirror Universe would make a lot of sense. Those are the two villains among the crew, so it would make sense for them to be... Just the same. Like, the, the nicest, and... Uh, I mean, we can... This is a quick hitter, but just talking about that, that Mirror Universe sort of idea that we have where the characters... The, the bad characters become good and the good characters become bad. Mm. Uh, when you saw Mayweather with his <laughs> earring and better haircut, <laughs> were you like, but I kind of want him to go all the way to Nasty Ace, Nasty Arnold River. I 100% wanted him to threaten to <laughs> rape some dude, and he didn't come through for me at all. Because no. guess what? Mirror Mayweather doesn't get lines either. <laughs> no. I thought he was going to be in the episode when he showed I up. Thought so I thought so, too. Like, oh, he was all right. He's hanging around in the background a lot, but you know what? He wasn't very effective as Archer's personal guard, no. so. Like, I, they, I, this is also somewhere in my notes. It seems like they convinced Hoshi to do all this sex business because then she'd have a bigger role in the episode. And I thought, oh, well, maybe they'll give Mayweather a role in the episode, too. But no, they didn't. He's not in it. I could I could not find any indication that, uh, that she complained in any way about this show. <laughs> And I think that for a lot of the, I think that a lot of the actors have fun in this mirror universe nonsense because it means they get to do some acting. Sure. Like, you know, the way uh, Alexander Siddig clearly has a big day out of every mirror outing as Mirror Bashir. He's the fucking worst. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, I assume that she was like, well, all right, finally I get to do something. Look, it's, it's up to her. She can enjoy it if she wants. Yeah. I'm just saying her big role in this was just to sex around. Just to sex yep. everything that walked around. Yep. Uh, anyway, it's a two for me. Okay. Just a two. So... I'm deeply distressed by the fact that you gave it a five because I know what your scores are, but not which episodes got the scores. Have no fear. Okay. <laughs> uh, when we swing around to talk about execution, Ben is a five, by the way. Okay. Uh, yeah. He says that he likes the new song. <laughs> yep, it is in the, better. In the theme. It is better. I pulled that out too. I said, yes, I 100% agree. It's better. And that the rest of it is real unremarkable. But again, he did give it a five. He says, of course, Enterprise has to fuck around with time travel on top of the mirror universe. Yep. Yeah. That's about right. Oh, yeah. Can't just do a straight mirror. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, obviously, I hated every moment of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the mirror universe still doesn't make any sense. No. It makes even and, less sense in this cartoonish version where they're all well, betraying each other every hour. How did all of them yeah. make it here? Exactly. Uh, and, and I was going to say that because more than any other episode, we have to stew in it this week. Like this is uh, this episode is one hundred percent from start to finish mirror universe. Yeah, even when they board the prime universe USS Defiant, they're still in the mirror universe, right? Yep. So that sucks. Uh, it wasn't particularly fun to watch. No, uh, I thought the new credits were a nice touch, <laughs> and all of the Defiant sets and exteriors were nice. But I sure wish they hadn't done this. <laughs> and I gave it two points. I agree. I gave it two points. <clears throat> I have, oh, good, sex Hoshi. I'm sorry. Nice Boy Mayweather is a Mako and not a boomer, and he has an earring? Not Well, not only that, but he's a sergeant instead of an ensign. So That's <laughs> true. That's his life has been pretty different. Trip is like 30% more Floridian, and that's enough for him to be <laughs> a real nasty boy himself. <laughs> yep. This whole episode felt straight out of the 60s. Well, and of course, that's what they were going for. Yeah, the revealing outfits on the ladies for no reason, and otherwise deeply sexist in a variety of other ways. Meaningless plot that we'll never need to worry about again when it's done. It's just a real waste of time. Archer twice invokes first contact with the Vulcans in this episode. I guess as a way to remind people of that great opening scene they did with Zekoff. <laughs> He, like, shows off the shotgun later, like, ah, I see this. You remember this? This is a famous shotgun. Explain why he has it, by the no, way. No, there's no explanation. I'm just like, wow, they really were proud of what they did in that first uh, Maybe his dad was still a warp engineer and worked with Zephram Cochran or something, <laughs> and he inherited it slash stole it from Zephram Cochran's desk when he died. Yeah. Well, he is a pirate in this one. Uh, everybody else... Everybody else gets to be themselves but evil, but Porthos is a different kind of dog. <laughs> yep. That was fucking racist. Yep. They couldn't use that same <laughs> dog? It could have been the same dog, but he barked at people. They could have no. given him an eye patch. Yeah. I mean, some missed opportunity. <laughs> that would have been great. Or a little peg leg. Yeah, come on. Yeah, just a two. It's a real... The only the silliness keeps it from being a zero. If it was a, if it was ten percent more serious, because it's pretty serious. If it was ten percent more serious, I probably would have just docked at the final two points. Uh, world <sighs> building. Um, Ben's a four. Yeah. 
uh, what I pulled out, mind melding can be used to control someone else's actions. Yeah, she, like you said, she made uh, Trip a spy by doing a sex mind meld with him or something, and then he had to, like, do whatever she programmed into him. Um, I guess the split with the Mirrorverse, now these are my notes, is long before the events of Star Trek, because Earth is already shitty at first contact with the Vulcans. Yeah, I mean, there's a Terran Empire flag planted on the moon in the opening credits, so it's like, clearly the Mirror Universe... Well, here is the thing. I don't think it makes any sense. Like, there's no way you can conceive of this universe as having split off from our universe. I think it must... The only way that I've ever been able to make sense of this is that you have to remember that in the universe that Star Trek exists in, (laughs) thoughts are real. (laughs) And this universe probably is just the bad version of our universe. And that's the explanation for why the people are always together because there's no way you could have it diverge. Sure. Yeah. They must be tethered in some way. Yeah. They're tethered in some way, right? The ships are always in the same part of space. The people are always on the same ships. It's the, I think the only thing that makes any sense about this is that the two universes are tied together in some way and maybe they're just good and evil. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know. Does it matter? Um, no, no, it doesn't. Um, Tholians display both male and female characteristics. Um, they like it. They like it hot. They like the hot weather. I assume those things are true about Tholians in the real universe too. Yeah, um, that's the same thing I wrote. It's probably true in the prime universe as well. Yeah, that one felt safe to put down. Um, <laughs> you said something about the Defiant that I wasn't even keeping track of. So that disappeared in that TOS episode, the Tholian web. That's correct. But did it disappear into a... So you have to remember that two things are happening in the Tholian web. One of them is Kirk is phasing in and out of existence. Hell yeah, he is. He has a great spacesuit. And then the Tholians are also there, and they're kind of just an irritant. Right? <laughs> yep. They're just putting that... They're building that web around the ship, and it's going to take a million years, and Spock <laughs> has to decide whether to run away or try to save Kirk, right? Yep. So, so, what did that have to do with the Defiant, though? That was my question. So, what is that the- ship phased out of space entirely? Okay, in that episode, but first, are- first they had the like view screen shots where the captain had been choked to death by that other guy. So, is this implying? Do you think this makes an implication that that's what happened to the Defiant, or that it's a coincidence? No, that's what happened to the Defiant. Okay. in that episode, they were pulled through in this part of Tholian space. Okay, they were pulled into that rift. Presumably when they answered the distress call, although I don't think that comes up in the Tholian web. Uh, because everyone was already dead. It's like the the weird spatial rift made everybody crazy and they killed each other. <laughs> and then the ship disappeared forever when it phased into the mirror. What turned out to be the mirror universe. Oh, so Kirk was almost in that universe again? That's correct. God, yeah, that would have been right. a bad time. He's already had to be there. Yeah, but he would have been in the past too. He would have had so. to save their civilization again in the past. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. I guess for that, I give it as much as a two. Um, Yeah, it was a two for me also. I had it as a one. I didn't catch all the Defiant stuff. And then it's mostly the Defiant stuff. Um, and also, again, we probably think that the Tholian stuff is not mirror stuff, but makes sense in the, in the other universe, right. too. But I don't know. Like, we don't really... Like, we, there's, we spend a lot of time in the mirror universe. Even in Deep Space Nine, right? Where we are. We've spent like... Well, they really love to play three, around. Three or four. Yeah. Right. 
So it's not that things that happen in the mirror universe couldn't be world building. I just don't think that we get, we haven't gotten any hints so far in this one that explains anything from any of the other episodes of about the mirror universe. No, and uh, <clears throat> I meant to say there's no reason to believe now that the series is almost over that we're ever going to see these characters again. So who gives a shit, right? Like, well, well we will next week. But yes, other yes. than that, like after this two-parter is done, like it don't matter. This was the latest show in actual running, like actual airing, and so right. it's not like we're going to see these fuckers again. No. Uh, Ben's a two for characterization. Okay. He says it makes sense that Wimpy Archer isn't in command in the more cutthroat dark dimension. Uh, he says T-Pole is less sexy, despite her ridiculous outfit. He wasn't and, feeling uh, it. Yeah. He doesn't know who to even root for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Mostly, he says, mostly the whole sucky crew is being even suckier. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And uh, as far as characterization goes for me, I'm zero. Yep. <clears throat> uh, we don't see any of the real characters in this one. <laughs> yep. It's all their mirror doubles from start to finish, including credits. That's right. I agree. It's a zero. I said I'm not. I don't know what else you can do with it. Yeah, I said I'm not doing characterization. I'm just not. The whole show will be over in a minute, so I won't have to deal with these shitty new mirror characters ever again. Yeah. So who cares? This is week ninety three. Their last week is week ninety seven. Yep. And we, it was, we done. Everyone knew it by by then in real life too that they these fuckers weren't coming back. <sighs> Did you have any quick hitters? Uh, it was the first time I didn't skip the intro because it was clear from the first shot <laughs> that it was not yes. going to be the same credits. <laughs> I also watched the whole intro. <laughs> but B5 did, still did it better when they did the Trust the Core one. Um, yeah. They let Forrest come back for this bull crap. Again, I felt bad for the actress that plays Hoshi the whole time, but I don't know. Maybe she thought it was fun. Um, yeah, her evil sex acting made me sad. <laughs> That's it. Those are my quick hitters. Well, it was, it was tough. It was tough to pay attention enough to uh, write quick hitters this week. This is going to be like the shortest we've ever done on the first episode of the week because there's so little to say. I mean, I literally wrote, poor Hoshi, poor every woman. I hate this episode. Why is Mayweather a sergeant? That's probably my real quick hitter. (laughs) And then uh, four people retook the ship. Yeah. T-Pole and two Vulcans and Forrest. That was it. I got the feeling everyone just out for themselves, so no one tried to interfere. Yeah, everyone else was like, well, Archer's only been the captain for one day. I don't have a dog in this fight. Yeah. I give best actor to the angry Tholian. He was like moving his little crystal claws around and stuff. And worst actor to all human actors. <laughs> they really do love to fucking show off in the mirror universe. Yeah, it's their big outing. It's their big once a year, right? Yuck. Ah. <sighs> Well, that was so a quick. six from me and a nine from you, my friend. It was at least quick. Yeah. But that is seven more points than Bound scored. So just a <laughs> heads up on that. Bad Bound was a real problem, huh? Yeah, I mean, just looking back to some recent weeks, this 15-point outing did uh, score higher than Bound, uh, Demon. Oh, what? The Silver Living, wit- Living Witness just missed Unforgettable by a point. Okay, well, uh, if you're just going to compare it to Voyager episodes, I mean... Yeah, Waking Moments, it outscored, <laughs> it outscored Turnabout Intruder. Oh, boy. 
It outscored the way to Eden. I sort of forgot the how with the lights of Zatar now, outscored Revulsion. <laughs> now that now that TOS has been done for a while, I kind of had forgotten how much they how fucking bad season three phoned yeah. it in in the last five or ten episodes. <laughs> yeah, they really put some stinkers up. Uh, yeah. Third place last week was TNG. Hey. This week we watched Cupid. No! Enterprise is at Tagus 3 to host an archaeology symposium. And for some reason, military officer Jean-Luc Picard is the keynote speaker. I mean, he admits compared to the real heavyweights, he's just an amateur. He is the keynote speaker. Uh Uh-huh. He's here to pr- to provide some speculation about the ancient planet of Tagus Three. Also, let's be real; they're there to host it, literally on their ship. Uh huh. They can't host it on the planet because I don't think they let people go down there. They're not allowed on the planet. <laughs> so no why more. are they there? Yeah, they could have done it anywhere. <laughs> could have literally done it on Earth or wherever. Whatever, who cares? Like Picard's speech was going to end with, "I now invite you to go look out of the windows at the planet we're not allowed to visit." Or maybe it was going to end with a scavenger hunt through the ruins. Like, everybody go now! Well, he's all up in his head about his big speech, but Troy convinces him to stop working on it and go to bed. And when he gets to his quarters, he finds a Horgon there. Ooh. And Vash. Oh. Okay. Turns out she's on the archaeology council. Uh, the next morning, hint, 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 hint. They kissed. Things get awkward at breakfast when Beverly shows up in a boat neck sweater <laughs> and takes Vash away on a tour of the ship. Now you know where the name of my notes comes from. <laughs> and I'm sorry, one more time? Crazy, bi- crazy bitch eyes. <laughs> in 10 forward, Riker tries to hit on Vash and she tells him that Picard does impressions of him behind his back. Yeah. And then Beverly hands her over to Riker, who takes her to the bridge and lets her sit in Picard's chair. And, of course, uh, the man himself doesn't love that when he comes in. No. Later at the reception, Vash finds out that pretty much no one on the ship knows about her. And uh, she pulls Picard away from some Vulcan he's talking to to complain about it. And uh, anyway, we're 12 minutes into a show called Cupid, and this is where Picard goes to his ready room and finds Cupid at his desk. I was kind of hoping that I'd remembered it wrong and that he wasn't in it. But uh, no, he is. Picard wants to know why he's showing his balding face here, and he claims he owes Picard a debt for saving his life when he was briefly human. Mm. His first thought. By the is way, to wait, 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 Picard- wait, wait, By the way, I, but maybe I have this. In, maybe we can talk about it later. But like, he explicitly thanked them at the end of the episode where they helped him. That's right. Why does he need to come back and do it again? They couldn't think uh, of a reason. Writers couldn't think of any that's other reason for him it's to be so there. bad. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Uh, he offers to show Picard the ruins on Tagus 3. Uh, of course, those are sealed off. Or to go back in time to see the Tagus 3 of 2 billion years ago. Mm. But Picard refuses. So uh, Q temporarily fucks off and Picard calls Riker in to let him know it's hijinks this week. Yeah. Uh, then Little Picard does goes he to know apologize. how fucking hijinks it's about to get. Yeah, this one got wild on him. Real quick, uh, Picard goes to apologize to Vash, but he finds a map of the Taguan ruins on her table, says he's going to confiscate her surveying equipment, but then just leaves it there when he walks out. Well, they have a little fight. Uh, they break up. Yeah. But Q was watching the whole time from, I guess, just outside the ship. 
sticks his head in. Don't worry, you're going to get he a goes, lot more of that in the episode with the 16-year-old yeah. Q or whatever. However old she's true. supposed to be. <laughs> um, he goes and teases Picard for feeling low and having a vulnerability. He says some cryptic shit about Vash leading Picard to his destruction, and then he fucks off. But as Picard begins his big lecture... His officers suddenly start to get dumb hats, and then Riker gets a quarter staff, and Data gets monk's robes and a big turkey leg. <laughs> uh, I don't know if these uh, things are making noise or what, but someone looks around, the council notices, they start chattering, and then all of a sudden Picard is Robin Hood, and they're all in Sherwood Forest, a.k.a. that one park in L.A. where the Zeros attacked Kirk. <laughs> yep. Everyone you mean what was, what was initially a zero and then was like two thunderbolts or something? Yep. <laughs> they could, yep, that's they, right. They were, or the B-roll attacked They it. weren't very consistent with that film. No. Uh, everyone figures out who they're playing, except for Crusher and Troy, who don't get real characters. Mm. And then Sir Guy of Gisborne attacks and drives them into the forest. And then Q gallops in on a horse and gives them the stakes. He's the sheriff of Nottingham mm. in this one, but it doesn't matter. They can stay where they are and do nothing, and they'll all go back to their ship tomorrow, but then Vash, as Maid Marion, will lose her head at noon. Mm. Q then also says he can't call this off, but I don't know why anyone would believe that. (laughs) And then, uh, meanwhile, in some unused uh, Holy Grail B-roll, Vash has no idea what's going on and slaps her guy in the face when he asks her to marry him, but then when she hears about the execution, she starts walking it back. Yeah, she's, uh, she's, she's shifty. Yeah, Worf breaks Jordy's mandolin from an, uh, Animal House. He does that in Animal House. <laughs> he animal houses him. I think he even says it under his breath. I think he goes Animal House, and then he goes. And <laughs> yeah, after it. he goes, says sorry. He then goes Animal House. <laughs> you know, I love Animal House. Ah, I've always wanted ah, to do an Animal House. Uh, yep. Uh, Troy shoots Data with an arrow. Two moments that could easily have been cut. Mm. Picard orders everyone to stay there while he rescues Vash alone. Um, uh, but when Q gets to the castle to check in, he finds out that Vash has just agreed to marry the dude and the whole rescue isn't necessary. And that frosts his entire ass. Mm-hmm. Um, Picard, meanwhile, has been in the castle and seen the whole thing. So, like, I guess he knew a shortcut and got there faster than Q. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, it's true. Even though they have a long conversation after Q leaves about what to do. Yeah. Anyway, like if anyone knows the entire layout of Sherwood Forest circa fucking 1068 or whatever it's year Picard, it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's, he, it's knew, he knew how to get there fast and find like a washerwoman's outfit to put on <laughs> so he could hide in the back. Anyway, <laughs> Picard shows up at Vash's window, but she thinks his escape plan is horseshit and argues with him about leaving. At this point, a uh, guy busts in. Vash turns Picard's own sword against him. He gets hauled off. But I guess she isn't that bad because she tries to send a letter to uh, Riker with her terrible caricature handmaiden. Mm-hmm. Q comes in and introduces himself, congratulates her on her duplicity, then turns her over to the guards for some reason. Picard and Vash get marched down to the block, arguing the whole time. And as they bicker with Q, we see that the whole dumb bridge crew is there dressed as monks. Mm-hmm. Uh Data takes out the little bomb that he carries in his arm for just such an occasion <laughs> and throws it in the fire, and the fight is on. Yep. 
It's uh, it's stunt doubles and stage combat everywhere. Picard kills a guy. Yeah. Uh, he gives Vash a big dumb kiss and then calls for Q, who tells Picard he did his best to red pill him and then sends <laughs> everyone back to the ship except Vash. But she shows up a minute later in his ready room, dressed in the same dumb safari outfit Q wore earlier. And then uh, Q appears. The two of them explain that they're going off to explore the universe together. Picard and Vash do a goodbye kiss, and then I never have to watch this episode again. Mm-hmm. I appreciate What's you. it about? I appreciate you making that as brief as possible, because that was a tough one. I really had to push through it, because <clears throat> it was hateful. Uh, I wrote, don't be embarrassed, man. Everybody does sex sometimes. <laughs> That's this one, right? Picard's all embarrassed about his weird pirate <laughs> girlfriend, and so Q makes him do a dumb Robin Hood. <laughs> Remember that this all starts with Q saying he wants to give him a gift. Yeah, listen, the big problem with this episode is that Q's motivations are unclear the entire time. He says he wants to give him a gift, yeah, but I then think the all gift the times he... Picard's about to get executed, he just smiles broadly. The gift that it turns out that he wants to give Picard is to show him that women are a weakness. <laughs> I guess. That's it, man. That's what it is the whole time. Well, anyway, they wouldn't have had none of these problems if he'd just been like, yeah, I fuck. I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard and I fuck. Yeah. I fuck and I fight and that's what I want to do. (laughs) That's right. So that's... I mean, it's a two. (laughs) You know, don't be embarrassed. Flaunt it, bro. Um, Yeah, like I had a real hard time coming up with a take for this one and i settled on i don't know man love can inspire you to greatness hmm. like and it's entirely because q seems to think that it's a big weakness of picard's and q has to be wrong or there's no fucking point to any of this so just so the, I guess opposite the opposite must be true. yeah that's yes. right yeah <laughs> um but come on with this take man I gave it a three. Well, we're not off to a good start this week because we had a mirror universe and then we had a Robin Hood charade. So, like, we're not, like, um, tackling the real stuff, clearly. Well, we did. We did for sure. But can I say about this that I was surprised how late in the episode the Robin Hood shit started? Oh, me too. I thought that it was going to be five minutes on the Enterprise and then 40 minutes of Robin Hood. It is very weird. But it's, like, 25 minutes on the Enterprise minimum. Uh, what about execution? What do you think? I mean, I guess they knew there was no way to make this serious because they just stole a gag from Animal House with no shame. And then they've, you know, there's a either the humor of Picard being awkward and nervous in front of his crew or straight up data getting shot with an arrow. So they gave up on being serious this week. Yeah. But um, But what's actually good about this episode? Yeah, try to come up with something. Yeah, not much. Not much. It's a two for me. <clears throat> I agreed again. It's a two. Uh, by the way, we didn't get notes from Ben on this one. Um, stakes are extremely low in the first third of this episode. Picard yep. has a girlfriend, but he didn't tell anybody. Whoops, Picard kept his little weird Risa love affair secret, which is probably because he could not introduce the idea of the Toxu taught. <laughs> That's right. Because he had to keep that out of history. So why aren't you guys still together? I don't know. Don't worry about it. No adventures it's were not, had. It's fine. Though I didn't know a Ferengi or nothing. Um, what? Well, who's Sovac? <laughs> then Q shows up. <coughs> but he's just like wants to help him. He wants to give him a present. They should just call this one Picard's kind of bad day. 
<laughs> yeah. But then it gets very silly, and the stakes, like, technically rise, because maybe Q will let him get his head lopped off. But, like, it's a goofy and pointless episode that could and should be removed from the canon. Yeah. This is nothing. There's nothing in here. It doesn't matter at all. So, yeah, I uh, I gave it a two. I could see a one, but you didn't give it a one, so I gave it a two. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, Matt, did they do any world building? Hell yeah, I man. You got Tagus 3? Uh, you got the Federation Archaeology Council Symposium or whatever? You got some Horgon continuity? Hold on. That's a, that's a good episode. <laughs> Horgon continuity? Good luck figuring out how that's spelled. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I'll give up, in fact. Um... Q uses a lot of, like, 1990s common parlance and slang and stuff. And I'm not sure why. Like, he uses way more than Picard and the rest of the crew. Why does he talk like he's from the 90s? (laughs) Well, he did that that brief recap of human history in Farpoint. And he just stuck. And I guess the one he liked best was that Marine character, huh? (laughs) Or the one that needed a few good men? Yes. (sighs) Yes. <sighs> um, hey, I have a world building question. This falls under world building. Uh-huh. Why does Data have a bomb in his arm? Hey. Hey, Matt. <laughs> hey, but I don't know. <laughs> he just It was just in there. He's like in raw he's in Sherwood Forest, so he didn't prep it right now. He just fucking popped that arm open and there was a fucking weird little vial of <laughs> explosive in there that he threw in a fire like, alright, I've got this, don't worry, I've got this distraction, no problem. It really seems like Q just transported him however he was in yeah. the real universe. Well, especially because he put the robe on him <laughs> in our universe. That's right, we had to see it in phases for some reason. Uh-huh. And like, it means he's got a bomb in his arm. Yeah, he just walks around with a bomb in his arm all day. Is that a one-time thing? Is he going to put a <laughs> new bomb in there when he gets back? I'm very confused by this. What? I am... Um, assuming that that's just a component in his arm that happens to explode <laughs> if you expose it to fire. I guess he doesn't it need it. It wasn't even a huge explosion, right? No. It was really a distraction size explosion. Uh, he's got He's got bombs of different sizes hidden throughout his body. <laughs> yeah. Why does he... Even if that's not it, what could that glass vial of liquid possibly be doing inside his robot body? He didn't seem to miss it when he threw it away. Was that his? Is that like a level? Is that so he knows when his arm is level? Oh, otherwise it's, it's like a, be a, just a spirit level that he keeps in his arm. Otherwise, he won't be able to use the controls and shit because his arm will just keep floating away. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I have another world building question, though. I apologize. No, let's have it, please. This is in the world building category. Um, why do they all know how to fight with medieval swords? That's a good one. Is that something that's taught in Starfleet, just for like regular basic training? I mean, we've seen Picard fence. Yeah, but he's using so he knows like, how to fence. He's using a real. So he ain't using a fucking foil in this one. Riker's Riker's got a quarterstaff. He knows ambojitsu. That's true. That's fine. That one tracks. But Jordy is just straight fucking sword fighting yeah. out there. The real question is why does because they don't. Crusher and Troy don't get to fight with swords. No. They just have to hit people with clay pots. But, like, why does Jordy know how to sword fight? That is the big one. You weren't lying when you said they didn't have characters. Like, they aren't named as characters, and they no. don't get swords, and they basically are just around. Troy gets to shoot Data with an arrow and then say, Data! And then he tells her she's getting better or whatever. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> is Picard going to tell Starfleet that the powerful entity known as Q has adopted his girlfriend? <laughs> Listen, Picard's just not going to write a report on this one, huh? <laughs> it's one of the many episodes where he will definitely forget to write a report at the end. I don't know how he's going to get away with it. The whole Federation Archaeology Council <laughs> saw it happen. They get beamed back <laughs> to that like, empty conference room. Did everyone just give up and go home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they moved the party to the holodeck or something, huh? Yeah, um, I gave it a one, but, you know, what did you think? Who do you think was in command? Uh, Oh, it's a one for me, by the way. Federation Archaeology Council is the only thing that I consider world building at all. Guinan? Yeah, who was running <laughs> the ship? Le- Leanne Sue? Nurse Barkley? Nurse who was running Gawa. the ship? It's hard to say. Whoever, just whoever had the con. Yeah. I guess someone must have had the con. Riker and Data and Picard were all there. So, like, and some, I guess someone was in charge. It's an ap- Appleby. Is that somebody? Is it, uh, is it Rager? Was Ensign Rager running the ship? Who was running the ship? Picard be. likes to leave junior officers in charge. Well, then, you know, he likes them to learn, learn, learn. Um, Linda Larson, she was around last week. Maybe it's Linda Larson. Yeah, maybe it's like that fucking Linda Larson who's maybe fucking Barkley? Well, she... Huh? He definitely checked on his quarters. What? Hold on. Linda Larson? It's crazy. Uh, characterization, then, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, Picard has always had a problem with having too much dignity, but it sucks that he can get so carried away in this Robin Hood nonsense that he trades one-liners with a fictional Sir Guy. <laughs> it's really bad. That does suck. Will anyone ever remind him of it? Uh, it double sucks that sometime in that cave on Risa, he was doing Riker impressions. Yeah, and then uh, that's not classy. He'd known her for eight hours. And then Riker, and then Riker sounds like this: "Oh, I'll never love again." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm devastated. Oh boy, uh, I'm gonna name my kid Jean Luc. <laughs> oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm not sure I'm ready for command. I don't oh. think I can. It's really scary to be the captain. That sucks real bad. <laughs> but speaking of Riker, he really will just hit on any woman on the ship, huh? Uh-huh. A lady he has never seen before yeah. walked into the room, so it's on. Yeah, Vash rolls into 10 forward on Crusher's arm. Yeah. And he must be able to work out by process of elimination that she's with the Federation Archaeology Council. He don't care. And he just adjusts his sack and heads over. He really does. So you know what he really does? He does that shirt thing that he does. He tugs in well, his shirt. He, yeah. <laughs> but, exactly. But the, yeah. The Picard the, the Picard maneuver, they sometimes call that. <laughs> uh, also, Crusher and Vash seem to get a lot out of teasing Picard at breakfast. But let's talk about Vash. Mm. Why do the writer what what do the writers intend to say by making her turn so quickly on that marriage? Like what do they think of her? What does it imply? <laughs> She's like, well, now let's not be so hasty. Yeah. I don't know. Like, are are they they're like, is she, cause she, are they Q? Do they think that she's, uh, they like her sort of scoundrel behavior? Well, they definitely or make her a goblin. Are they trying to say something about women? Something uh, hateful? Maybe? It must be something about their bitch of an ex-wife, but I don't, I don't know. Usually that's where I land with the writers, but yeah. it is difficult because then Q comes along and he's like, ooh, I like it. I wasn't it. expecting that. Humans are goblins sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I've never ooh. seen that. <laughs> um, this is not, this week is not a good 
outing <laughs> for our characters. No. Picard, Riker. Uh, I, so I won't talk about Worf till my quick hitters, but he he snaps off a couple that I'm not too proud of. Yeah. I guess Data's got that bomb in his arm. That's pretty cool. Helpful. Um, I just gave it a three for characterization. That's fair. Um, again, Picard giving a keynote at the symposium for some reason. He still does kissing, but not necessarily more than that. <laughs> He's all shy and embarrassed about having a girlfriend, but he also... Well, it is true that we did. We don't cut to them in bed. We do cut to breakfast. This is what happened the last time when it's like, oh, well, they're definitely going to fuck in these caves or whatever. But there's no scene of him putting his boots back on, which is TV language. No. For they yeah, fucked. it's definitely TNG language. They go back and they are both fully clothed, shirts tucked in and everything, just sitting there. I don't think they fucked. To just fucking buttering a croissant. But um, he also really loves, like you said, being the cool hero. And he won't let anybody else be the hero in front of his girlfriend either. Yeah. This is my mission. I have to do it. Uh, Troy is very supportive with Picard in this opening scene. Where he's worried about his big speech, and uh, then nobody gives her a sword later. No. <laughs> she gets a bow and arrow that she's terrible at using. That she just drops. She, just, she don't use that later, does she? Listen, they should have given her a weapon appropriate for someone untrained in melee combat like a pike. Yeah, that's right. Just keep him at a distance, Troy. Just, yeah. just keep him at pike's length. Crusher gave crazy bitch eyes to Vosh in Captain Picard's quarters. <laughs> Then she happily tells her the captain has never mentioned her. It was pretty cold-blooded. Yeah. But she's all in on this dumb Robin Hood fantasy rescue anyway, so... Whatever. Well, it has been, by the way, Vash tries to be so conciliatory when Crusher shows up. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I've heard so much about you, etc., etc., but it's like, uh, it is not reciprocated. <laughs> nope. It's the opposite of that. Uh, again, Riker sees a lady and immediately starts working his game, but he's a total putz. She pones him like six times, but he doesn't seem bothered or even necessarily <laughs> that he knows it happened. No, th- listen, ever since uh, Up the Long Ladder, when he just fucking just put it on Front Street in front of Picard, <laughs> he's just no shame in his game at all. Uh, Worf hates that this lady is on the bridge. He gave Riker crazy bitch eyes. Yep, when, she, when he brought her on board. Worf, which are the aliens with the really good legs? Yeah. You racist. I guess it's probably, he prefers Klingon legs. I prefer Klingon legs. Uh, Worf is all in on this sword fight, but he's got no skills. Gets wounded. By the way, War, if you watch this week's TNG and then you watch this week's Deep Space Nine, mm. you you it is definitely possible to come away with the impression that Worf actually has pretty good sexual politics, but he's a little bit carried away. <laughs> In the terrible attitude that exists on board Picard's Enterprise. It could be. About women. That could be right. Um, Worf is all in on the sword fight with Sir Guy, but he's got no skills. He gets fucking straight wounded in the first scene or whatever. Yeah, the sword's not uh, curvy enough. No. <laughs> too straight a sword. That's right. It's too small a slice. That's the problem. Even when he moves from, even when he, you know, uh, upgrades from the Batleth to Mechleths, it's still pretty curvy and weird. Yeah. If he'd just gotten a big enough slice, then his wife wouldn't have kissed that guy. That's true. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Yeah. If you eat the receipt and you get sick, that means that you didn't wash your hands. Because you didn't didn't get a big enough slice, so you got 
What does he say? You got what does he say? You got fudge on your hands? What does he say? Mud, mud pie? Mud pie. You got mud pie on your hands. Uh let's see. Uh, Worf also hates that loot, uh, a la Animal House, like we already said. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Q is back to repay a debt, but he's not good at it. Uh I guess he's also sexist. He hates ladies. And as always, he's dumber than all the other characters. He's dumber than Vosh. He's dumber than Picard. He's probably dumber than Troy. <laughs> uh, again, he says he wants to get Picard a gift, but when Picard is captured and betrayed, he smiles like hell. Like yeah, he's so at that pleased. point, he had decided what his gift was, <laughs> which is to help Picard go his own way. <laughs> Vosh is a trickster and, I don't know, relic hunter who needs money? <laughs> Does the Federation Archaeology Council not pay? I don't. Is it a volunteer position? Does she not get the energy credits that she needs (laughs) from that role? She can't use the replicators. They fucking give her the cold shoulder. Um, maybe she likes Picard too. I don't know. It's hard to say. She's uh, feisty with Guy of Gisborne and comes up with some tricks to free herself. She even betrays Picard. I guess as like a, and I told you so or something. Yeah. You're not going to... I'm a strong, independent woman, maybe. I don't know. Uh, why does Jordy like playing that lute so much? I have never seen him so happy. He he's can't really play making it. the best of a weird situation, huh? <laughs> he can't play it, but he's just happy. He's just sitting there plucking away at it. Listen, he was like, maybe Q's on to something. What if this is my thing? What if this is going to be my new thing now, is that I play the mandolin? I'll just take it I'll just take it to 10 forward, and I'll just fucking jam, and everyone'll be like, oh, he's an artist. He's so deep. Then Christy Henshaw will date me. You know she loves artists. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, three. Oh, boy. Quick hitters. Quick hitters. I, uh, I never wanted to see Vosh again. I was unhappy. That we saw her in this. Well, we've see we've already seen her a second time because we've seen her Deep Space Nine appearance. Uh-huh. So we definitely had had enough of her. Remember when she brought that egg yep. to Deep Space and it Nine? Was the double. She brought that weird egg. The double whammy of bringing Q with her. So it was a just yeah. like this episode. It was Q and Vosh. Yes, the fucking egg. The fucking with the gambling machines that just. Nah, that's a different episode, right? The gambling machines are not Vosh and Q. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's the gambling machines, one. just that old guy dies in prison and gives it to uh, Quark. <laughs> That's, and that guy. The guy I, was, I got to mix up with that guy. You know the guy. He's the one who wants to monetize the gambling machines. He makes Quarks next to Quarks. He makes the other casino. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's right. Anyway. Uh, when Riker says... No, she just had a weird crystal egg from the Gamma Quadrant that became like a phoenix or something. I forget. Well, no, it, it didn't it cause a temporal distortion that almost tore the station apart? Yeah, something like that. It did bad. And they had to track it to uh, the dumb auction Quark was doing? Yes. <sighs> so bad. Um, when Riker says Vosh must be Betazoid, I fucking laughed out loud. Like <laughs> Because if he's hard to read. I like that they just write him to be a beef wit. Yes. They just write him to say and do <laughs> dumb stuff. And just smile, too, while he's doing it. Yeah. Um, I hate Delancey's early 90s hair. Uh, Picard doesn't want anybody to know about his booty call, all pretending he's on his way somewhere else when somebody sees him near her quarters. Yes. <laughs> some some junior officer sees him and he like has to walk past her door like, I'm just walking here. 
I'm not doing anything. Uh, no matter how angry I've been at Marjan over the years, I've never just called her by her last name like Vosh does to Picard. <laughs> she straight calls him Picard when they're mad at each other. Yeah. Uh, when Picard calls for Worf and they run into the forest, the guy Worf's fighting also stops. Like, oh, we're taking a break? Should I stop swinging too? He stopped swinging. I guess we're done. Fucking guy at Gisborne. Marjan loved seeing Data get hit with that arrow by Troy. That was just right. That was right up her alley, humor-wise. She basically <laughs> Did just, she forget that scene? She basically just collapsed on the couch laughing. <laughs> I was like, hmm, okay. That's why you don't like news radio. Um, uh, could that gag not have happened in news radio? I have season five. Okay. <laughs> when they were doing I mean, it, more look, physical it stuff. Was, look, it's a Beth and Matthew scene for sure. It's not, <laughs> it's not Dave of, and Bill aren't yeah, in it. It's not a quality Dave Bill or uh, Dave Jimmy James or right. Bill Lisa scene. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a, it's a Joe and Matthew scene. Sure. <laughs> yes, well, exactly. <laughs> um... Q didn't Q the um the omniscient mm-hmm. being or whatever didn't know mm-hmm. Picard was in disguise ten feet behind him. Uh huh. He just does his whole bit and walks off screen, and then Picard comes out like, "Ha ha! Mm-hmm. I was here the whole time." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the same. You, you thought I was a background actor whose face wasn't <laughs> going to appear in on TV, but guess what? I have lines. Did I have the same problem with the with the? <laughs> What's his name? Kylo Ren with all his force powers, not knowing that his dad was 10 feet behind him. Just looking at him. <laughs> How does the <laughs> force totally work? How does Q work? Yeah. Uh, and then I wrote, Vosh is a real soman, Just an absolute goblin. Oh, for sure. Um, she's a little bit less sexual. Yes, it's true. Which is too bad because, it, uh, I mean, think of how much you could get away with on Western television. I mean, for sure. You could get wild. <laughs> Especially in TNG, I mean, they basically make poor Counselor Troy <laughs> appear in entirely trans- transparent outfits about 15 times. Well, every time they show a scene where she's in bed. Now, she goes to bed real sexy. Yep. Just in case an alien shows up in the middle of the night, she wants to look her best, you know. Uh, that's it for me. Yeah. Um. Boy, I usually like slow Star Trek. Uh-huh. But I did not get into this archaeological discussion in the teaser. Uh, well, it has nothing to do with anything that you could bite into. Like, that's some alien civilization we just heard of for the first time. That's it. Yeah. I, I guess at this point in the show, Riker is a joke to the writers, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, it started back with Lol. Yeah. Now this lady tells him to his face that his surrogate dad makes jokes about his pickup lines. <laughs> he never stops smiling. No. He doesn't care. <laughs> and I ask you, Matt, what is the culture on Enterprise that Worf thought nice legs for a human yeah. was an appropriate thing to say at a Federation Council gathering? Yeah. This is... Hey, this is a big one. And also, by the way, you notice that it's all the Enterprise crew were standing together and not interacting with any of the <laughs> Federation Archaeology Council. Just like the news radio cast. They're just standing over there talking about who's got nice body parts. Just like the news radio cast when they went to the Screen Actors Guild Awards and they got kicked out and they were never invited back. Yeah. Hey, um, 
How come Picard doesn't even rate a queen size bed? <laughs> it's true. Q is. Do you see his bed in this one? Q is pretty up close to him when they're in bed together, huh? And for some reason, he only sleeps on the left side of his full size bed. There's hella room for more bed in his quarters. You know, he's. I guess he thought maybe he and Vosh might make up at some point. Yeah. Uh, but he has real pillows and blankets, not sparkly marathon crap. He doesn't have just a wedge, just a triangle. Nope. He's got actual pillows in pillowcases and a regular ass comforter. That's what being the captain gets oh. you. He probably thinks of it as a duvet. Yes. Yeah, he gets the real bedding, but his he's in a full-size bed. <laughs> I kept looking at it going, why doesn't he have a bigger bed? Look, if he had a bigger bed, people would make inappropriate assertions about him. Ah, that's right. People that would think he fucked. Yeah, he can't fucking, have that. Yeah. Anybody who ever saw his bed would know that there was room for two people in it then, and then, you know, the discipline on the ship would break down. It would be inappropriate. Uh, Troy and Crusher don't get names. There's like 20 of these dudes in the Merry Men. I know. But none of them them are girls, and I guess that matters to Q, despite the fact that earlier he says he should have appeared to Picard as a woman, which suggests that his his ideas on gender are not that... Uh, solidly fixed but no. now he doesn't make them any of the 15 other merry men they're just two girls yeah the merry men and those two girls yeah i know the 1200s were pretty wild legally speaking <laughs> but what is marion being executed for exactly because uh, i don't think you can execute someone for not marrying you. i'm like 90 percent <laughs> sure that it that Sir Guy of Gisborne, who doesn't even appear to be like an earl or a duke it's or anything. It's hard to say what he is. I guess he's can't just have a anybody, Can't have anybody killed just for not marrying them. It seems like that's, even in the 1200s, that's extrajudicial. Yeah, and then it, it does seem like she starts to make excuses about why she's with Robin Hood. So maybe they're Robin Hood adjacent crimes she's being executed yeah. for. She says that he fucking put her under a spell. Witchcraft. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then, like you said, uh, Q is, again, totally surprised by everything that happens this week. Yep. Although he claims to have the power to take Picard two billion years into the past. Yeah. Yeah, he's not smart. He does have powers. He's just not smart. Uh, I mean, we'll get to it when we eventually get to Tapestry, and again, when we eventually get to Journey's End. Mm. No, all good things. Sure. Um, uh... Does Q have any of the powers he says he has, or can he do some minor illusions? Yeah. Yeah. I gave Best Actor to Jordy tinkering with a mandolin. Picard didn't give him anything to do. They were in the forest. He thought, well, fuck it. I'll give it a shot. And like you said, he seemed very pleased. He was having a good he time. He was extremely pleased about the whole thing. <laughs> uh, worst Actor this week, obviously, there's only one candidate, made Marion's terrible lady-in-waiting. Yeah. She wasn't good. She was worse than a child actor in a Victorian <laughs> holodeck play. <laughs> Those kids were pretty sharp, though. Well, the boy, particularly the boy, but she was worse even than the girl. <laughs> so hey, it just occurred to me, like. Uh, do you suppose somebody made one of those like different point of view novels about just what Jordy was up to in Sherwood Forest? Oh, this is a good question. It's like when uh, they hold on when um, memory beta when Orson Scott Card made the whole series of books about just what Bean was up to. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to search Alan Adale <laughs> on memory beta. <laughs> See if he appears in any novels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Because I'd love to get that. I would actually read that one. Mm, boy, it doesn't really look like it. Uh, okay, let's, you know what, let's just search Robin Hood in memory beta. Maybe that's easier. Because not only is he enjoying the hell out of that loot, he enjoys himself a sword fight so much. I think Jordy might not know it's real. I think Jordy might be working under the impression that it's all actually fake and he can't be hurt or something. Well, it does not look like... Oh. Yeah. Great, I named from, one Star Trek aside, novel I would read and no one wrote it. Aside from the fact that the Robin Hood stories also existed in the Mirror Universe, as per an Enterprise Mirror Universe short story called Nobunaga. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, no, it does not look like any writers have ventured into right. that I'll get probably started. fruitful arena. I'll get started on it right away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's two terrible episodes down. It's not good. We're not off to a good start. You know, we had a bunch of bad weeks, and then we had, like, one decent week. Yeah. But it looks like we're just right back into the shit. Oh, no, last week wasn't that good. It wasn't that I know good. That's what you, I know that's what you're thinking. Last week was a uh, 19 point... Uh, no, it was a 23.25. That we, At least last week we had a 39 and as much as a 26 in there. Yeah, I just want to remind you that an average week is a 29.4. So this last week was still six points off average. Yes. It just, because the two previous weeks had been such utter, well, the three previous weeks had been such utter garbage. Yeah. It felt a little better. Second place last week was Voyager. Oh, okay. This week we watched the season four finale, Hope and Fear. Seven and Janeway are playing a game of Velocity. <laughs> it's a game on the phaser range or I, whatever. I, I want to talk about it for an hour later, so don't worry about <laughs> but it. It looks pretty sweaty. Um, Janeway beats Seven, and Seven doesn't take it well. Janeway has to tell her to eat it, and then I guess we know the finale of Season 4 will be about these two. Credits. In a log, Janeway tells us they're still working on decrypting the message from Starfleet Command. You know, that one that came in a million episodes ago? Yeah, and the first one with the Herogens. Yeah. Uh, also, Neelix and TP brought back a bunch of supplies from a trading post. I bet it's full of minerals. They love those. Uh, it's probably almost all minerals, yeah. Uh, as well as a large-headed guest played by none other than Sam Neal. Oh, shit, that's not Sam Neal. It's not, uh, not Sam Neal. It's fake Sam Neal. God damn it, it's the second time I've been fucking tricked by this guy. <laughs> It's put a little bit of alien makeup on this guy, and he does look a lot like Samuel. It's the guy who played Liko in Who Watches the Watchers. He's fooled me twice. It's the guy from Twin Peaks and Fresh Off the Boat. Son of a bitch. Uh, anyway, this dude is great at cracking codes, and Janeway enlists him to help decrypt the Federation message. Uh, he succeeds in about 13 seconds. He's, yeah. a, he's aware of the Borg. Seven says they've never managed to assimilate his people, but he says, hey, no big deal. Don't hate the player, hate the game, etc. Uh, they detect a map in the unlocked info from Starfleet, and it leads them to a fancy ship. It's supposedly Federation, uh, but Chaco, Tuvork, and TP pop over there to check it out. It's got some 
crazy new propulsion drive that's a little bit unstable, it seems like. The ship suddenly starts moving on its own. It uses its new slipstream technology to go 15 light years in about, I don't know, like a minute. Um, Voyager catches up, and their guest, Arturus is his name, finishes decrypting the message from Starfleet. An admiral says, we sent you this sick-ass ship, and if you climb aboard and push go, you'll be home in three months. So they go to work adapting Voyager for the same slipstream technology travel so that they can, I guess, bring it home with them. And um, they try to work on controlling the drive on board the Dauntless. That's the name of the fancy new ship. Uh, Janeway expresses to Tuvork that this is all too convenient, and she's been sensing for a while um, that something's, something's not right. Actually, she's been sensing it since her intro scene with Seven when she beat her at Velocity with her intuition. Yes. <clears throat> uh, some scenes on Dauntless where they fix some shit and talk about how everyone feels about going home. Then Harry Kim accidentally triggers like a like a hollow wall or something on the ship. A false wall. Uh, Seven goes to see Janeway, who's trying to decode one last piece of the message that the dude told her couldn't be retrieved. Seven tells her um, that she's not going back to the Alpha Quadrant. Um, They get in a fight again. Seven says, you're not my mom. Janeway makes some predictably bad arguments to convince Seven to come along and eventually By the way, that's not you joking. Seven really does tell her, I'm not like you. I'll never be like you. (laughs) That's right. Uh, But eventually Janeway tells her, you're too chicken to go to Earth. And then the last message fragment is decoded as they're having this fight. And that reveals an apology from that same admiral from before. Uh, apologizing because they failed to find a way to bring them home. It totally conflicts with the other message about the cool new ship. So Janeway contacts Tuvork, who says, yeah, I know, I'm looking at a fake-as-fuck Starfleet ship right now. Yep. They ambush Arturus on the bridge. Which, uh, by the way, which is a waste of our time. Yep. To make us see two people, two different people discover it. Yeah, when Harry Kim runs into it, that should have been enough, or the message should have been enough. Right. Um, they ambush Arturus on the bridge who tries to frame Seven for the deception, but like, he's not very convincing. Janeway doesn't fall for it, and the dude reveals himself to be fucking strong as hell. (laughs) Just beating down the security team and like taking phaser blasts like it's nothing. Uh, he eventually gets the slipstream drive going, and he takes Seven and Janeway with him on a ride. Everybody else was beamed back. You know, they do it in Starfleet where they always beam the least important people first. Uh huh. That's how it worked today too. Um, Voyager pursues with its modified slipstream, so I guess they got that running pretty quick. Uh, Arturus finally tells Janeway why he hates her and why he tried to trick her crew. Her deal with the Borg at the end of last season that freed the Borg up to assimilate like everybody up in here, and his entire people got got. Janeway says like quickly. It's only been a few months. <laughs> Janeway says. I don't know about that. (laughs) Janeway and Seven start working on an escape plan, (laughs) which gives them time to chat about Seven's fears and their relationship and stuff. Um, He's got them in the brig or whatever. They they break out of that. They make the ship 
kind of go out of control, but then, like we talked about earlier, he, like, destroys the controls so that nothing can stop them from reaching Borg space. He's gonna take them back and get them assimilated. Yeah. Uh, but Voyager catches up and beams Janeway and Seven away, and then, um, Arturus enters Borg space and gets his shit fried by the Borg, we assume. They just, it shows him looking very sad. Yep. Uh, Janeway tells us they got 300 light years closer to home using that slipstream. Uh, but they can never use it again. Before it broke in a way that means they can never do it again. Yeah. The diagnostics have <laughs> confirmed that it's not safe to use again. <laughs> Don't worry about it, everybody. We can't use it anymore. Uh, so we can't just do like 300 light years, wait a week, 300 more light years. <laughs> right. Anything useful like that, we can't do. Nope, we can never, ever use it again. She and Seven are playing Velocity again, and they kind of, like, agree to disagree about shit, maybe? Yeah. And, um, that's the end of this episode. What was this one about? Ben says, powerful emotions like hope and fear make rational decision-making difficult. He says that he thinks it's undercut a little bit by the fact that Janeway is also very suspicious. Uh, I, mean, I think the moral... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it's true that in this case, for the first time ever, which at least finally it starts to make sense, for the first time ever, she's like, I don't know, though. I've been fooled 40 times already. Well, his very anti-Halsey take is a four. Um, <laughs> I guess that the moral of this episode is, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Mm-hmm. And that is not a world beater. I'm a three, but I could see a two. Yeah, I've had that one on numerous episodes to this point. I decided to skirt the plot in favor of the two characters. And I just wrote, mothers and daughters, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like So that's that's better than anything you thought was happening in the plot as far as the take goes. It's it's as good. Okay. Uh, that's at the heart of this episode, but I don't know exactly what it's trying to say. Just that although there's tension, it really all comes from a good place. It's um, yeah. It's not really a take. I gave it a three. How did they execute? You know how they did. It's Voyager. Great. It was a great episode. You watched it, right? I did watch it. Uh, the tension between Seven and Janeway does work when they do it i think it's one of the only things on voyager that's worked since she showed up but it only works because of the real life tension between kate mulgrew and jerry ryan right that could be why i was gonna say it only works because janeway sucks so bad that i want (laughs) everyone to rise up against her (laughs) this one is no different you ready for her to go in the brig (laughs) yes She gives up on even trying to convince Seven that she should come to Earth for her own good and basically says, we need your Borg brain so you have no choice. Yeah. Then her performance with Arturus makes it abundantly clear that this character will never have to reckon with her insane decisions. Yep, this is another coming home to roost episode, right? Yeah. Where her actions, previous actions in the Delta Quadrant. Except come back to bite her. She basically shrugs and goes, What, the Borg are bad now? I didn't know. Nobody uh, we ever have told an me the expression on Earth. Uh maybe you've heard of it, tough titty. <laughs> like, no, nobody ever told me the Borg are bad. First I'm hearing of it. Sounds like you should be mad at the Borg and not me. I think she's Star Trek's most despicable character. 
Like, I actually thought about it. I was trying to come Fandom up with... Fandom agrees, generally. <laughs> I was trying to come up with who might be as bad as her. I don't think there's anyone. Not hard to find the phrase war criminal Janeway on the internet. This dude basically breaks down in his confession scene and talks about the horror his whole people experienced when the Borg came for them. And she just basically goes, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> it's wild! Yeah. Especially when you consider that in the episode where she does the thing, Chakotay's telling her the whole time what a bad idea it is. So they even wrote it in the show that someone else was going, mm, I mean... Wow. Listen, our experiences with the Borg have been pretty horrible so far. <laughs> pretty bad. You, you've heard of the expression, deal with the devil, right? You know that that's what's happening. <laughs> She's like, but Kess told me that the that they're even worse than the Borg. Kess said it with her mouth. Um. Anyway, this dude laid a deep fucking plan to trick Voyager. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like... Fake Starfleet ships, fake decrypted info, fake trading post chance meetings. Everyone in the quadrant already hates them, so I'm surprised he didn't just raise an angry mob. He should have just been able to get a mob going. They got my planet, they'll get yours too! Uh, like, whatever happened at that planet from Living Witness, you could probably still find people who are pretty salty yeah, about it. they're huh? not far away from Like, there. I know it's not the uh, future where wrong think has made it <laughs> so that the people have to make a new holocaust museum but <laughs> it is like uh they're probably pretty mad at him already uh that advanced engine room setup was very sad just had one of those uh oh, what do they call those things you... <laughs> those plasma globes <laughs> plasma globes <laughs> seven's uh, workout out jumpsuit is just as offensive as the rest of her outfits I don't know, at least it has sensible shoes. <laughs> she didn't have to do it in heels. Yeah. That's what made it a workout uh, jumpsuit. Yeah, it's just a two. It only even scored as high as a two because, I don't know, stuff happened, but it, it wasn't good. Well, Ben's a six. No. Uh, ben started Ben started this, by the way, after before he got into his take. He said this one felt like a legitimately good episode in the hands of one of the other series. It might have been very good. Hmm. So that's his baseline for this one. <clears throat> uh, he says the last look at Arturus shows him hanging his head, but why wouldn't he just blow up the ship at that point? He knows what's coming for him. Ah, he locked that out too, probably. <laughs> that's right, he, can't, he can't touch anything anymore. Yeah. Well, the diagnostics the confirmed that he can never use it again. So that's right. <laughs> um. So Ben's a six, and uh, and buckle in because I'm a five. Whoa. Yeah. Um. The whole Dauntless Ruse stinks on ice. <laughs> this guy has a great fucking ship. Yeah. That's that's fine. These guys are run and hide experts, so it makes sense that his ship is fast and can disguise itself. Right. But somehow he found out about Janeway and cooked up this dumb revenge plan and I guess also counted on her not suspecting. Yeah. And of course, for TV reasons, they can't use this technology to get home and that eats shit. Mm. As for the B-plot, I think it would have been better to approach Seven's feelings about where she belongs without making her get in so many arguments with Janeway <laughs> since they don't seem to want to really double down on the Seven is emotionally still a child aspect. Right. And it's also kind of shitty that no one tells Seven 
not knowing where you belong is also a perfectly normal human response. And we all feel like that sometimes. And also it's okay to be half Borg and half human. Part of our advanced society is that you don't have to assimilate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there were parts of this one I didn't love. But honestly, 95% of Voyager episodes are worse than this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Voyager does suck, for sure. I mean, literally, I think that 19 out of 20 Voyager episodes are worse to watch than this one was. Okay. Is that because and of that's what's what I scored it a down the middle five. Is that because of Sam Neill? I mean, yeah, it's because <laughs> of uh, fake Sam Neill. <laughs> uh, what about world building? <clears throat> Uh, more consequences of Voyager's actions, I guess, and uh, potential di- a potential technology that diagnostics confirm isn't safe to be used again. <laughs> so not not much. I uh, gave it a two, could see a one. Um, ben gave it a four. Uh, particle synthesis is better than holograms, he writes. I don't know. Does they say that in the show? Because well, she asks if it's done with holograms, and he says particle synthesis, you, the technology is beyond you. Oh, yeah, but I mean, like, Harry Kim just walks up to it and fucking malfunctions. Yeah, so it ain't that <laughs> It doesn't great. seem like it's very good. And then he asks, why didn't the outside of the Dauntless transform back into alien technology as well? I don't know. It changed colors. <laughs> well, did it? Ooh, I didn't even red. notice. Okay, well, good. There you go. Um, That was just what his ship looked like. He just painted it Starfleet colors with particle synthesis. I agreed with you. I gave it a two. Velocity, quantum slip, stream drive. Seven says she's going to keep working on it, but like, don't hold your breath. (laughs) This dude's people got whooped after Janeway's Borg deal. I assume this happened to fucking everybody out there, but it doesn't come up in this episode. Oh, yeah. The Borg probably suddenly started paying attention to a lot of things that they'd been letting slide, huh? Yeah, a lot of people who had been fucking uh, stepping over some lines that were, they considered habitual line steppers. <laughs> yeah. We're about to get fucking cross kicked. <laughs> the Borg were like, Species 116, yeah. Species 212. We're, we're coming. coming. We're coming for you. We saw you. Fucking Charlie Murphy acting like he gave me a fucking Bruce Lee cross kick or something. Yeah. Um characterization seven's a sore loser she and janeway are still butting heads she's weirded out about going back to earth so soon she gets petulant about it but unlike janeway she actually says later my bad you're right yes i was feeling (laughs) i was feeling scared yep that's right they do make her the more emotionally mature character even though she is a child janeway tells us right away this episode's about intuition which yes. she has and nobody else has. Um, she's then suspicious the whole time of eventual baddie Arturis. When confronted by Seven, she has nothing reasonable to well, say. By the way, as soon as you figure out it's not Sam Neill, you're going to be suspicious. <laughs> yeah, she thought it was Sam Neill too when this guy showed the up. Fuck's, the fuck's going on here? You're not Sam Neill uh, at all. That, can you believe Sam Neill is with us here on Voyager? And then Chaka went, that's not Sam Neill. And she went, fuck it, watch him. I want him tracked at all times. <laughs> Keep an eye on him. When she's confronted by Seven, she has nothing reasonable to say. When she's confronted by Arturis, she tries to pass it off like she couldn't possibly have fucking known there would be consequences for her deal with the Borg. I never yeah. identified with a Star Trek character more than I did with this guy. <laughs> That's me all the time, just going, you did it! It's your fault! To Janeway, to the screen. <laughs> um... Janeway sucks and deserves whatever she gets. Like McCoy, I don't fuck with her anymore. I'm done. I'm just not fucking with her. 
Uh, uh, it's rough. We have three more seasons. <laughs> it's true. I did start saying that in season three of TOS, and we are quite far from the end of Voyager. But I don't fuck with her anymore. I just don't do it. What we else do you like need to see? More weeks, like eighty more weeks of Voyager. She, has she done a good thing the entire show? <laughs> nah, she's pretty bad I'm so far. I mean, she she really got a murder boner for Tuvix. I think about it all the time. <laughs> it's sad. He begged for his life in front of everybody. Yeah. Uh, Balana sucks in this one. She tells a bad joke about people hating Seven for being an ex drone, and then she goes, "You didn't get it because you don't know about jokes." That was yeah. hilarious. Bitch, that wasn't funny. Harry Kim tries to make Seven feel welcome in the Alpha Quadrant. It's unclear whether he still has a fear boner for her. It is unclear. Thank God. I'm hoping they're starting to move away from that. Wouldn't that be lovely? Uh, Because Seven at least is mature, I gave it as much as a three. Uh, Ben was a five. Yes. Says everyone was suspicious, but no one did anything about it. Reasonable to address the Maquis and Borg drone going to Earth is problematic. Um, I'm in the middle of you two. I'm a four. Janeway is bad at being a mentor and bad at being a mom. But I guess she has good instincts when the most unlikely scenario ever is presented <laughs> to her. It's true. She tells Tuvok all about it and he goes, yeah, I mean, it's bullcrap. Yeah. Essentially, it's bullcrap. Uh, Chakotay is definitely willing to risk everyone's lives on entirely untested modifications to the ship. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do, there is, like Ben said, there is at least a nod to the fact that not everyone on Voyager is coming home to a hero's welcome. Though, Bolana barely gets a second to talk about it. No, it's because I think they were probably 99% done with the episode and someone said, I just remember there are Maquis. Yeah, half the ship is Maquis. We haven't talked about it since season one, but half the ship is (laughs) Maquis. Yeah, I guess going home's going to be a little different for them, huh? And uh, also, I guess Seven is like an angsty teenager who hates her mom now. Mm-hmm. But uh, isn't that growing up? That is growing up. Yeah. At least Janeway lets her make the banar. <laughs> I presume. I don't know. I wonder if she would. That's a four for me. <laughs> um, Quick hitters. Ben says uh, for a blessed few seconds he could believe they'd gotten rid of half of the cast via the Dauntless. What's the most important comment, though? Ray Wise is sparkling. It's, he's not wrong. Where's the lie? <laughs> There's no lie. I love Ray Wise. I love that he's fake Sam Neill. I love that he's in just his inflection on everything is insane. He's he's a he's he's like that bomb in Data's arm. He's just a oh, nice sure. little distraction, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, guest uh, guest star stole the week for me, and uh, <laughs> it starts with him. Yeah. Uh, I have some quick hitters. Uh, why do they call this phaser pong game velocity? <laughs> Don't know. It's 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 pong or ping pong or table tennis or something, but with phasers and frisbees. Yeah, also the phasers makes it dangerous. I hope that's on like a crazy low <laughs> setting. Yeah. Otherwise, oh, you mean because the game starts with a frisbee in between two people leveling phasers at each other? <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it's like um, murder pong or something. Yeah, a little bit. Hey, when they let Jerry Ryan put on these black Reebok classics to go with her athleisure look, she must have lobbied for normal shoes for the rest of the time, too. Yeah, hey, look, I can actually walk. 
Like, hey, look, this is proof that Seven has feet that fit in shoes and doesn't need to have high heels molded into her uniform. So next week I can wear, like, some sensible shoes, right? Can I just, I'll just, can I just wear the same boots as everybody else? Like, they seem okay. You gonna put me in uniform? No. Huh? No. Oh, what? You've come up with something probably even tighter and lower cut? Cool. <laughs> oh, next week my entire ass is just gonna be cutouts? Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Then I wrote... Uh, based on the teaser, is this going to be an episode where Seven learns to trust her gut? And no, it's not about that at all. <laughs> no. Jane, as you said, Jane was the only one who has intuition. She says it out loud. Uh, I guess this dude has vitiligo, I wrote about Arturus. <laughs> Seems like he's got some color inconsistencies in certain places. It's particle synthesis. Uh, and then when she was saying it seemed too good to be true, I said, yeah, it does all seem too good to be true, but it also seems like it'd be a real huge fucking conspiracy if it wasn't. <laughs> this guy, this guy really went for it. Yeah. This was a Japanese level plan. Yeah. And then I wrote, oh, okay, another revenge crazy. These guys fucking love revenge crazies. Yeah. But here's the big problem, Matt. How in the fuck does this guy know about Voyager's deal with the Borg? Who told him that? Yo, I don't Did know. Did the Borg put out a presser? <laughs> yes, we'd like to announce our agreement with Voyager. Yeah. Uh, it's a three-day deal. Did Janeway? How could he possibly know what happened when the Borg took over his people? That's a really good question. Has Janeway been going around from outpost to outpost like, hey, maybe we can be friends. Crazier things have happened. I made a deal that ended a Borg war. And then people invariably go, that was you? Why? <laughs> Die! <laughs> it's like, how could he... How could he know about any of That's this? Why very, is he looking for Janeway? That's a very good question I had. How does he know about Voyager at all? I had not considered it. Should we lower our scores? There was like one ship that survived that thing, and it was that species oh, yeah. 172 ship that they blew up six months later. Yeah, that the Herogen were fucking with. Yeah, but like, who? Yeah. Did she tell the Herogen? Is that why they let her go at the end of that? I mean, everyone she runs into has one question. Hey, you got a Borg on board? Yeah. Maybe it was through one of those conversations this all got figured out. That well, news she got keep out. It quieter, <laughs> but I guess the cat's out of the fucking bag, huh? Why should she keep it quiet? She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't know the Borg were bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. She doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. She's Adam Carolla's think... mom. She just says, "How could I possibly be expected to know that?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Do you think that parents in the Star Trek universe make a big deal out of their kids playing Parisi Squares so that they don't play this game where you shoot <laughs> each other with phasers accidentally all day? That's right. Parisi Squares is the gateway drug. <laughs> then you get into velocity. It seems wildly unsafe. It's basically the B-plot of Brothers if someone has the wrong <laughs> phaser setting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then finally, was Schmollis in this one? No, that is definitely a positive. Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, best actor, Arturis, obviously. Worst actor, Chakotay. Obviously. Pretty obvious, too. Quick hitters? Nah, I didn't even... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do any. <laughs> Just nah. I didn't do the assignment. I apologize. Well, shit. Last week's winner was Deep Space Nine. This week we watched To the Death. Bom. Bom. 
Defiant just whooped some Breen privateers somewhere, and they're heading back to DS9. O'Brien, Bashir, and Dax have a nice chat when Worf comes in and big dogs Bashir into giving up his seat. The senior staff are called to the bridge because they're back at DS9, and it's all blowed up and shit, like missing a whole landing pylon. Um, Kira says some Jem'Hadar did it. Uh, they came over from a civilian ship, and they stole a bunch of shit, and like 50 people are dead or missing. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a it big It was bad. It's a big one. It was bad, man. Uh, Cisco asks Kira to call for reinforcements because uh, he's got to go on a revenge mission. So he takes the Defiant back through the wormhole, or through the wormhole? I don't know if they came from the wormhole. Um, but he goes looking for justice. Credits. Yeah, it's not clear at all, by the way, what quadrant any of this takes place in. <laughs> they never show you the wormhole to give you any kind of setting. There's no establishing shots. Uh, they find a damaged Jem'Hadar ship, not the civilian transport Kira described earlier, and they beam over the seven life signs, which turn out to be six Jem'Hadar and a Vorta, before their ship goes critical. Uh, the Vorta, our first Wayun sighting, I believe, keeps the yeah. Jem'Hadar in line and asks to talk to Sisko in private. Wayun offers to make Sisko dictator of the Federation, but... You know, like a real cool dude transitions away from that into his current predicament. The Jem'Hadar that attacked DS9 are renegades, and he is hunting them. And to make matters worse, the renegades have access to an Iconian gateway. You remember those from that TNG episode where Data sucked on Main at figuring out the controls? <laughs> he was just like, I know how to do it, and then he just fucked up Yellow. something else. Yellow. Red. <laughs> just kept fucking up. So this is urgent. Because if they get that gateway working, they can attack anybody, anywhere. Uh, Wayun says they'd launch a general insurrection and overthrow the Dominion. And I guess despite the genetic programming. He convinces yeah. Cisco to help him. Cisco does not call Starfleet. No. <laughs> <laughs> because this is as grave a threat to the Federation as it is to the Dominion. Uh, Cisco runs it by his senior staff and then meets with Ometaclon the Jem'Hadar commander. The guy's vaguely menacing, but seems to agree that Cisco's in charge for now. Uh, they have a combined briefing where it's revealed that they'll be required to strike the these Jem'Hadar on foot because the thing they need to blow up is it's too fucking strong. You can't blow it up from orbit. Um, it, it's made of neutronium, which you may remember from the one where a giant bugle attacks the Enterprise. <laughs> In the middle of the briefing, Worf gets into it with some Jem'Hadar, uh, including our old buddy Clag. Um, <laughs> it's true. Who just keeps showing up. <laughs> because they said something about his mom or whatever. I don't know. Worf can't handle being around people. But um, it's going to be a tense fucking ride. Next, they do what I guess is supposed to be some kind of tense strike mission fake out. But like only if you didn't watch the beginning of the episode. It's obviously a training simulation. They um, they botch the job in the training simulation, and that Jem'Hadar guy yells at him a lot for not wanting to die for the cause or whatever. In the turbo lift, that Jem'Hadar reveals, hey, I know all about this gateway, even though Wayun has been trying to keep it a secret from them. He also requests that they work in mixed teams in order to, like, you know, get that camaraderie going. 
on the bridge, Dax and Ajemhadar get to know each other a bit in the mess hall. The Vorta and the Ajemhadar do their cool loyalty ritual and pass out some Ketracel white. Yeah. One of the Jem'Hadar... Wayun is not into it, by the way. No, he's trying to eat his macaroni and cheese or whatever it is on the plate. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was shells. I thought it was pasta shells. <laughs> it was Velveeta shells and cheese. They don't got they don't got craft dinner on board the Defiant. <laughs> One of the... <laughs> they signed a contract with Nabisco, it's a whole thing. Yeah. One of the Jem'Hadar bullies O'Brien and then Worf strikes him. And there's a big pushy pushy and Omedaclon and Cisco break it up. Ometaclon breaks his dude's neck. That's Clag. That's our boy Clag. He's done. That's a wrap on Clag. <laughs> uh, I mean, he gets to sit there, obviously breathing for another few <laughs> minutes. But yeah. <laughs> and Cisco sends Worf to bed early without dessert. So it's kind of on the same level. Um, Wayun stops Odo in the hall and tells him that his people want him to come home and tries to convince him to leave. I don't know. Odo refuses. Odo comes to Cisco because he heard from Dax about Ometaclon's dumb threats. He did say earlier in the episode he was definitely going to kill Cisco when they were done with their mission. Yeah. Um. They get to that planet. They're about to head down when Ometaclon does another cool ritual, which O'Brien promptly mocks because Starfleet's so cool and tolerant. They find their rifles don't work when they get down there, so they're going to have to go hand-to-hand. Cisco should, but does not call off the mission. And they do <laughs> a lot of crazy Federation Kung Fu action. Yeah, I'm afraid that's true. They, um, you know, the two teams work together. Odo does a big octopus fist. Cisco gets stabbed to save a Metaclon, which blows that dude's mind. And they set the charges to blow the facility. After they blow it up, Wayun comes down to hand out White and celebrate, but Ometaclon zaps him, like, fucking good, I guess, for questioning their loyalty earlier. Uh, he lets Cisco and the others go, but warns that they'll be enemies the next time they meet. I don't know why he thinks he's necessarily going to run into Cisco again. There's just a lot of Jem'Hadar and a lot of Federation out there, but whatever. It's also not clear to me at all that there's a ship on the planet. No, I don't. I think he's just planning to stay there forever. <laughs> I don't know. And he... Eventually he someone killed, will come. He killed Wayun. Where are they going to get white? It's true. They have that little case. That's it. They got like 20 vials of white left maximum. It's going to be like that episode where Bashir was trying to cure the dudes where they're just rationing that shit as hard as they can. Then eventually Omedicon's going to have to hunt all his own men down. Yeah. Because it's his duty as their commander. Um, Hey, man. What was this one about? Well, Ben thinks it's about what it, what loyalty is, and he says that normally a question isn't strong enough, but he thinks you could put all of the different positions into a statement, and he gives it a six. Okay. Um, and I agree that there's a lot of loyalty talk in this one, mm-hmm. but I think that when you've watched the whole episode, well, what it, what it left me thinking was that there's more to understanding one another than working together. Okay. Because I think the main purpose of this episode was to recenter on the Dominion and not tell a particular story. But in a Star Trek, you'd expect the two sides to come to a better understanding than we see at the end of this. Interesting. And the show also walks back a lot of the Jem'Hadar or drug-controlled slaves stuff that we saw in the previous ones. Okay. Because the producers wanted them to be more alien. So, like, 
if you read about it, they kept trying. They kept saying stuff like, "We wanted it to be like the more you knew about these guys, the less you, the less you trust them, the less you want to work with them." Hmm. So it's not a very Star Trekky take, but I do think that working with people does not really breed mutual <laughs> understanding. Particularly, sometimes you just have to get a job done and then leave. Yeah, that's true. But that's not not that's not much. That's not Star Trek. It's a three for me. That's interesting. I had the exact opposite take. I thought they were saying, even among adversaries, a shared objective or trauma or whatever can lead to a grudging respect and even fondness. Which we'd seen a bunch by now. I've had that take like nine times in this. Maybe, but project. I mean, Ometaclon is still going to kill Cisco if he sees him again. Yeah, but he probably was just going to draw a phaser on him. But then Cisco did that cool thing where he got his arm stabbed for him. And then he's like, you, yeah. even though I threatened you, he became a cartoon from the 80s. He was like a bad guy in G.I. Joe or something. Go oh, a little bit. Even though I threatened your life, you you sacrificed yourself for me. And, uh, you know, Dax gets along with that other dude and they're bantering the whole battle and everything. And Verkek ver, ver, or something. <laughs> so these guys all have very difficult names. Yep. Cockverock or whatever his name was. Um. Anyway, I I said we've seen this a bunch by now. I gave it a five. So we're on opposites on this one. Yeah. Um. How do you think they executed? Well, they couldn't execute it that good if we came away with opposite takes. <laughs> um, yeah. Luckily, the execution score has migrated its meaning, huh? A little bit. Yeah. Um. Ben gave it a six again. Um. Let's see. I pulled out. O'Brien makes the very good point that they should bomb them from orbit. Wayun's response is that it might not take out the target, but I'm thinking, yeah, it might take out most of those 150 baddies, though. <laughs> you could at least start with it. That was exactly what I said out loud to myself watching the episode was, yeah, but just bombard them from orbit and then go down there. Like, you know, like in all human wars since the invention of, <laughs> of bombing. Right. Like, why Or would, really since the invention of artillery. Why would you not do it? Yeah. Um, and then he says, uh, it always seems kind of nonsensical for some of the crew to be such experts at fighting whether it's ranged or hand-to-hand. Well, at least they don't make O'Brien do it. He just carries the bag. <laughs> it's true. O'Brien has to carry the fucking bag. And he was the O'Brien is officer. a fucking escort mission for Cisco. Yeah. He carries the bag, which is Odo as well. Yeah. Oh, no, Worf carries Odo. Oh, shit, o- yeah, maybe. O'Brien carries know. the real bag o- with the O'Brien charges. has the bomb, yeah. yeah. And then he says the death of Wayun was necessary, but a little inscrutable. I It was inscrutable, for sure. I didn't. I wasn't necessarily sure of the motivation. Then he says that was for questioning our loyalty. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't even well, remember it. An act of di- definitely an act of disloyalty. <laughs> yes, but he, then he, I didn't know why Ben thought it was necessary to kill him. He says it's necessary but inscrutable. Um, I was less than that. I gave it a four. Uh, this was like a mission in a video game with like waypoints and crazy high stakes that you know won't matter in the end and a lot of punching and stabbing the Jemadar are pretty cartoonish um, <laughs> Worf and O'Brien kind of suck but they rightly spend most of the time on the two teams getting to know each other instead of on a long action sequence Enterprise would have done 15 minutes of fighting at the end but I don't think this one even made it to 5 minutes well it was enough that it was censored. Wait, what do you mean? They cut a bunch of the fighting stuff the network did. Oh, yeah, I don't and know how much then, they shot. And then, no, but I mean, like, from the cut that they intended to air, the network cut a bunch of the fighting scenes and they had to recut it. Huh. 
and then also then England cut uh, another few seconds and also took out the sound of that guy's neck breaking. <laughs> well, that was pretty rough. Poor Clag. Because uh, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, boy, shouldn't we already be in the fighting? My memory of this is that it's a lot of fighting. But then, like, I don't know. They kind of moved in and out of the facility pretty quick. Yep. Yeah. The um, mission actually went pretty well. Ultimately, we don't learn, like... We don't learn much about the Jemadar that we didn't already know from that one where Bashir wanted to cure them of their addiction. And I don't think there are, like, other lasting repercussions from this. They did their mission. They blew up the gateway. It hasn't really changed anything about how the Federation and Dominion are are positioned. Um, I mean, what we can guarantee is that DS9 will be totally undamaged next week. Yes, there will definitely be no evidence that one of the whole pylons was blown off Despite and 50 people were killed. Just being a big fireball this week. Next week, it'll be totally fine. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Um, but I thought they used the minutes well, so I gave it a four. Uh, I'm even higher. They, uh, they set the stakes so big with the damage to Deep Space Nine and the Iconian Gateway reveal, but then they spend the rest of the episode making it absolutely clear that the real stakes are whether Cisco and Ometaclon can learn to work together. <laughs> that's right. Will they? And that's a that's a real undercut. <laughs> Will they become colleagues? Huh? Can they be like yeah. work buddies? Um, but they do a fairly good job of working a lot of Dominion and Jem'Hadar exposition in. Uh, the action sequences are mercifully fairly short. Yeah. And they don't try to do a bunch of Star Trek jokes. Yeah. Also, Wayun is delightfully slimy, and Ometaclon is great at portraying contempt. <laughs> oh, but then it also seems like the Rebel Jem'Hadar are a bunch of no-account scrubs. <laughs> I mean, the Federation dudes fucking smash them. Yeah. Uh, but all in all, not a bad watch. I gave it as many as a six. Okay. What about world building? Iconian gateways, Jem'Hadar life cycles, uh, Klingon sexual politics, founder Vorta Jem'Hadar tensions. I mean, we learn a lot about how all of these parties view each other and, you know, also Jem'Hadar don't live to be 30 and stuff like that. Yep. Um, also, they there are no Jem'Hadar women. And they don't eat. That one seems wild to me. <laughs> Doesn't seem like that little vial of white can really keep them going. But but now you see why when they don't have it, they really fucking fall apart. <laughs> yeah, it sucks for them, man. It's their whole thing. Yeah. It's all their shit. So, um, you know, for all the Dominion stuff, I gave it as much as a five in world building. Okay. Uh, ben was a seven. He says uh, the the mess thinks an extra large prune juice is like maybe a large tumbler size. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, they don't want to give Worf the shit. Well, shits. most people only want a very little amount of it, so. Yeah. Uh, he said, seeing Jemadars up close for a while and in combat fills them in as a species much like they did with Klingons over time. I mean, yeah, we did get a lot of exposure to them, for sure. Um, I was at a four. Uh, the Jemadar are pumped to see a Klingon and also the traitor, so I guess that's common knowledge. Oh, you'd think they'd want to keep that one quiet. But they did not. These no, dudes they recognize him on site as the traitor. <laughs> I guess they got to put something out or else uh, Otto could just start giving orders. <laughs> hey, I'm your, it's me, your god. And I order you to kill those other gods? <laughs> it's me, the, the lord of that god. Everybody kill themselves. <laughs> That's true. He could just say that. Uh, the renegade Jem'Hadar, which is the second time we've seen that. Uh, an Iconian gateway. There's continuity there. 
and the super high stakes of the thing coming online. The Jemadar were programmed with so much sarcasm and attitude for some reason. <laughs> I don't really understand why that's in their genetic makeup, but it is. Yeah. They also don't sleep, eat, uh, they only have one sex, uh, they are able to fight within three days of emergence, and they rarely live longer than, like, fucking 20 years old when they're considered honored elders. Corporal pr- punishment is pretty rough among the Jemadar. That dude straight up got his neck snapped for that pushy-pushy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like twice in two hours. You again? Yeah, he was tired um, of that dude. Taman t- Tarax was a habitual line stepper, yes. as you said earlier. <laughs> That's right, he had to get checked. He steps over the line, and I check him. Um, Yeah, it was a four for me. I just, um, I don't know if what we learned was... I've, it was mostly for continuity, really. Because we learned yeah. a lot of this stuff in that episode with Bashir. You know, that they weren't just beholden to the Dominion, that they had minds of their own, that they could kind of... Even that that guy was able to get off the white, but he was a weird anomaly. Yeah, and and it, but in fact, that episode makes it seem like the white is the only thing that secures their loyalty. And so they had to show that, uh, that these dudes were hyper-loyal even without it. <laughs> That's for questioning our loyalty. The thing I just did that, now that I think about it, that's going to make people question our loyalty, I think. Huh, it's going to raise a lot of um, questions. Well, you know what, guys? Boy, nobody nobody tell anyone. <laughs> we'll just say that one of the bad Jemadar did it. <laughs> uh, characterization. Uh, ben was a four. He says Worf can't control himself in the face of an affront to his honor. Again. Yeah, Worf sucks now. I was a four as well. Starting with the note, Worf sucks now, huh? <laughs> all territorial about chairs and shit can't be cool around yeah. these Jem'Hadar for a fucking second he's just so shitty on this show uh, Worf says adopting a siege mentality is ultimately self-defeating he doesn't like lying to the Jem'Hadar he promises vengeance for Cisco in case he does get killed by Ometaclon <clears throat> another Little League bit for Shimmerman that thing in the oh, beginning no about how he'll kill Rom for worrying him like that. And you're just like, none of the rest of the episode is going to be on TS9. <laughs> yeah. They literally had him and Kira <laughs> running around being like, I'm in the episode. And like Bashir doesn't come with him either. He stays on DS9. So I don't know. Um, O'Brien and Worf can't stop sniping at each other. O'Brien has recorded 11 goodbye messages to Keiko over the years. He does not get along with the Jem'Hadar. Dax does a good job making friends with the Jem'Hadar, though. This actually wasn't a bad Dax episode. She was sort of okay. No, her her main scene uh, where she, you know, where she does the exposition for us about mm. Jem'Hadar life cycles is actually pretty good. This is one of the better ones. Yeah. Well, I also think that it's not just her, but it's that other guy just giving her a crazy look with his wide neck the whole time. I have that guy as a best actor candidate, which we will talk about. Yeah. Uh, Cisco managed to not seem very troubled by the Jem'Hadar killing his lieutenant. I would have at least gone, oh shit! Whoa! Yeah. Hey man! Everyone... <laughs> No one gives a shit. Everyone just looks at the body fall on the ground. They don't care about these Jem'Hadar, huh? No. Oh, they don't at all. Wow. They would love to see them all get killed, for sure. <laughs> no one says a thing. I would have been like, man, what gives? Holy crap. Hey, 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 hey man. Hey. 
That guy's dead? I was going to send my guy to bed. What's going on? <laughs> I was going to put a reprimand in his way file. over the line. <laughs> uh, he eventually sticks his arm out to save Ometiclon. He doesn't seem that worried about it, though. I don't think that stab hurt him very much. No. He's just kind of fine the rest of the time. He like winces well, for a quarter not only did Ometiclon not expect him to save his life, but clearly the attacking guy also did. <laughs> because he, he just got... stops in his track. <laughs> what? <laughs> The fuck is going on? Like guy of Gisborne, he just stops mid-fight. Like, huh? are you guys together? What? <laughs> I thought we were. Wait a minute. Who was I even supposed to be attacking? I guess I should have been attacking Starfleet. Oh man, this is confusing. Um, yeah, just a four for me. I wish some of these people were a little bit better, but they—I they, don't think they're ever gonna be. Uh, wasn't even a four for me. Uh, what is Cisco gonna do about Worf? <laughs> Worf's a real problem. The dude is, I mean, he's ultimately totally unreliable, just getting into fights and mouthing off. Mm-hmm. And O'Brien is suddenly very sarcastic in situations where diplomacy would serve him better. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like, I didn't think his little speech was cute. No, it's, it's very insensitive. It's like, hey, yeah. we got to uh, go to battle with these guys in about fucking 14 seconds. Can yeah. you just. Hey, they can still hear you, Chief. <laughs> hey, they're just around the corner. And you know what you said about Worf got me thinking. Worf to me feels like when your team that never gets any cool free agents signs like a <laughs> marquee free agent and you are so pumped. You're like, this dude was on the Enterprise. Right. He assassinates people like he's a beast. We got someone legit and then you get him in real life and he's just clubhouse cancer. Yeah. And he's well, a- I mean, that's kind of, he knows it. He moved to the Defiant. That's right. He, that's right. He can't be around the other players on he's the team. He's ultimately not a team player at all. He fucking, he's territorial and fucking moody. And then he just fucks up all the time. And you're like, what are we even paying for? I thought we were getting the best in the business. That's what Cisco was coping with. He's like, yeah. we've, we thought we got like a real ace and he sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And O'Brien, too. And you know what? Cisco does have a discipline problem, and Ometaclon is right to say something. Oh, for sure. That's true. Uh, they make it a point to bring Odo along on this mission, but then they don't really give him much time to talk about what any of this means to him, so that's a wasted opportunity. Also, O'Brien has been in life or death shit way more than 11 times. <laughs> he was just an expert witness in a show <laughs> uh, in a, uh, where Worf did a war crime, maybe, Yep. about all of his combat engagements, and... Uh, it's odd that he's only written 11 letters well, home. Like, he must only write them every third or fourth time. Probably only writes them when he and Keiko are getting along, which is pretty rare. Ah, that's probably what it is. Maybe he, I guess he only married Keiko in uh, season four of TNG, so probably. <laughs> that's right, none of that Cardassian Car- War stuff. Mattered, probably before but... that, he wasn't bothering to write home to his mom and dad. No. They don't seem to have a great relationship. <laughs> no. No, who he idolizes are his ancestors. The, yeah, the old Union O'Brien. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's just a three for me. Um, yeah. Uh, whoops. Did you give it a three or a four? I gave it a four. Okay, I've just reversed our scores. Let me fix that. Oh, no, I've got it right. I'm just looking at the wrong one. Hey, none of that matters. Let's do quick hitters. Do it. Ben says our buddy Jordy directed and that he thought Dax was pretty decent in this one. <laughs> um, well, let's go right up to the top. Who decided when everyone was going to lunch <laughs> because five minutes in they reached deep space nine it's true 
Maybe they did, weren't necessarily going to be called back to DS9 right away. Maybe they could like mill around on the mess hall and then get to DS9 whenever they wanted. I don't think they were called back. I think they just showed up there and they were like, whoops, it's fucked. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, they expected to be able to sit there and finish their meals. And oh, yeah, instead, they were like, they were, yeah, we can, the ship will dock or whatever. We can finish lunch before we go on right. board. Yeah. Uh, tell Starfleet to get some ships out here because, you know, this is the most important spot in the quadrant. <laughs> They've still never put any other ships out there. No, nah, it's just a defiant. Uh, and then, uh, when I saw Metaclon, I was like, that is the only Jem'Hadar name I remember from the 90s. So this guy obviously made an impression. Yeah. Um, if, uh, how do you watch this one? Uh. Just regular, on a regular TV? No, I watched like... it on my big monitor here computer okay uh did you have headphones on i did not okay if you watch this one with headphones on you can hear ometiclon and all the other Jem'Hadar, but it's mostly him you can hear their little catcher cell white pumps slurping away every time they are on focus nice i cannot believe that would have been audible on a tv in the 90s it's a good touch though so that was it's a great touch that probably was wasted on 99.9% of all people who've ever seen this episode. <laughs> but if you watch it in headphones, every time they cut onto a, a Metaclon's face, you just hear... <laughs> he's, feed, he's getting fed. It is quieter than the background engine noise on the ship. I'm not surprised. Those like, things they've are got wild. it tuned way down. That's interesting. But it's fun sound design. Uh, Odo just puts it on blast in this meeting. I'm no god. There are no gods. Life is meaningless and then you die. <laughs> uh, that was not very diplomatic. Well, you know, he, um, he, his girlfriend, the good lady he wants to be his girlfriend doesn't like him back. So yeah. it's pretty dark. How, how could a turbo lift ride last longer than four seconds on the Defiant? <laughs> it's only a few decks. How could it, how could you ever have enough time to argue? <laughs> about like the source of your loyalty and if you had to keep secrets yeah in a turbo lift ride i mean cisco tells it to stop but like you're right they would have had to like i think they definitely were in there too long before he stopped it yeah uh no sex no drugs no wine no women no fun no sin no you no wonder it's dark everyone around me is a total stranger (laughs) everyone avoids me like a cyclone ranger everyone that's why I'm turning Japanese. That's why the Gemini are turning Japanese. I got it. Hey, if these guys don't eat, what are they saying that the Universal Translator renders as they stuff themselves with food but have no appetite for battle? <laughs> they still know they, all the hey, cool things to say. If they don't eat, what's their version of that metaphor? Yeah, that's a. How do they? What's an appetite to them? That's a very good question. Do they have, are they saying like they've got the the white shakes, but they don't have the white shakes for battle, but they do for food? <laughs> Maybe. Like, what's the, what's their version of it? It's a good question. It's, uh, we have to ask this about every alien species. Like, what are they saying? Yeah, but usually the other species eats. Yes, yes. That's in this case, they would say food. But I'm saying there's things yeah. like that all the time. We go, why would they even, what's happening? What would they, what would they have been saying yeah. there? Poor Tamantarax kept breathing for a long time with a broken neck. Was not a clean death. <laughs> no, one, no one said a thing. No. A lot, plenty of time to save his life, but I guess they left Bashir behind on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, they probably didn't bring even as much as one doctor, huh? Just a long, loving shot of a redwood tree when they beam down to 
Viridian 6 or whatever the planet is called this week. The Iconians imported it. They're just fucking, <laughs> they just, they're just looking up at the crown of the redwood tree and then they pan down the entire trunk and it's like, hey bud, that puts it in a real, but like, you know that those exist in like two states in the United States. They were like, uh, and nowhere else in the world. This alien, this planet's so alien, look how big the trees are. <laughs> right, yeah, sure, right, yeah. Hey, thank God the Rebel Jim Hadar all have black vests on, huh? Look, they ain't going to have the same problem as the good Jemadar. Who are you going to shoot in battle? They were like, are we shirts or skins? That's right. The Jemadar are coming. We got to decide. Are we shirts or skins? <laughs> they probably won't do anything. Let's just be sh- Let's just be skins. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be skins. <laughs> and it seems like one of the Jemadar should have said, thanks for the phasers as they cloaked out. Because they took those phaser rifles. Yeah, they definitely They did. kept them. Well, they kept them. That's for sure. Starfleet uh, beamed away their weapons when they beamed them over, so I guess it's only fair. Uh, that is true. I mean, but they could have stolen what the Jem'Hadar weapons from the dead Jem'Hadar. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, they will. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, best actor, first Ometaclon. Mm. The dude even manages to almost cry when he's talking to Cisco about how Tomantorex was his second for three years. And, uh... That's some dumb dialogue, so good for him. <laughs> dumb dialogue? He's been in makeup for eight hours. Just uh-huh. like, he must, be sh- he must be totally fucking wrecked. Uh, he nailed it this week. Hey, was he better or worse than the guy who had cured himself of the white? Uh, that's another good question. That guy probably also got best actor. That guy was pretty legit as well, as I recall. Yeah, a couple of... They keep bringing in these good actors to play these dumb Because he had to say the overly dramatic stuff about how it was his responsibility to hunt them down and kill them because he was their leader and he failed them. Oh, right. He failed yeah, them. Yeah, that did happen. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. I mean, I just watched this one, so I'm pretty much Team Ometaclon. <laughs> sure, but maybe, sure. I, maybe I'll have to go back and take a look. Also, who can remember that guy's name? Uh, worst actor, most of the other Jem'Hadar. Hmm. Um, although, I guess really just the unnamed ones. Yeah. Quick hitters? I only have a couple. I had best actor candidate, the Jem'Hadar, who is so fucking proud of being able to fight within three days of emergence. Yeah. And for being eight years old. He yes. is so proud of both of those things. He just smiles like a maniac when he says them. <laughs> yeah, he has a great he has a great face for the lines that they give him, for sure. We are able to fight within 3 days of emergence. <laughs> he thinks this is the coolest break. He does. And Jax is very nice. She doesn't she doesn't say shit to him. Uh, and then I asked, is that finally a rap on the actor who plays Clag for this project? We've already seen him in a bunch <laughs> of shit. Are we going to see him again in something? Let's, let's say unclear. Because he was that Romulan in those insane fucking drone episodes in uh, Enterprise. Yeah, he was Admiral Valdor, for sure. Yeah. That's it. Uh, let's, let's take a quick look at Brian Thompson's role. Yeah. His roles in Star Trek and see... God... I'm sorry, I've just looked at his face. Well, that's why he gets to play the weird flag aliens all the time. Face. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, well, he's in Generations. As a Romulan? As a Klingon helm officer. Oh, he's. Oh, Clag is a Klingon. Frankly. On Looks a lot like Clay. Well, that is his face. You've seen his face. Yeah, yeah. You can't yeah, hide yeah, that. Yeah. Did we? We already saw the Deep Space Nine rules of acquisition where they go to that planet 
where the people were the weird yeah he was one of the doci or doci or whatever yeah they are. exactly yep. he's in glatu in that he's, one he's like a Wayun type except that he never gets a cool recurring role but they they yeah. bring him back for everything I did not recognize him as Tamantarax. I'm glad oh, that you said that. Dude, cause... instant he started to talk. I went, that's Cla- That's Clag's voice. <laughs> Clag, is that you? Uh, but, I mean, Clag was his his best performance for sure. Well, I instantly was heard him talking mates. about his loser dad. Yeah. Uh, this guy was, had played a role in the X-Files. He says he's probably best known as his role as the alien bounty hunter from the X-Files. He did mm-hmm. that uh, Falcon Crest, Charm, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Probably played a monster in all of them. Yeah, I imagine so. Uh, who did he play in? Oh, he was in uh, Crusade, the Babylon Ooh. 5 f- spinoff. I don't, I don't even remember most of that. Yeah. Uh, he's in the movie Cobra. <laughs> Three Amigos, Alien Nation, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. He's in <laughs> Joe Dirt. Great. Yeah. So yeah. Uh yeah. sounds like that might be it for this project though. Yeah. I think we are, unless we for some reason have to do the movies, we're done with him. I and mean, we're done with this week. I'd be surprised if we didn't have to do the movies. We have to do the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Yeah, this is all ties together real nice. <laughs> uh we're done for this week. Fourth place was Enterprise uh, in a mirror darkly with fifteen points. Sucked. TNG Cupid barely escaped it. They only scored seventeen. That also so if sucked. uh if I had given in a mirror nine like you did, uh, Cupid would have taken the loss. Yeah. Um second place, Voyager, second week in a row, That's... but they shouldn't be excited. They only scored twenty four points. <laughs> I was gonna say they didn't really score well in either week, but there were some stinkers. And the winner this week, Deep Space Nine, Hope and Fear, huh. uh, 34 points, which is not great for a winner, but at least it's above the minimum. It was the clear it's winner. above average episode. The clear winner in another bad week. Yeah. But that is their 30th win, so they are creeping up on TNG. Yeah. Uh, TNG has 35, Deep Space Nine, 30, the original series, 17, and no no possibility of any more enterprises at nine uh best they could get to now would be a very unlikely at 13 yeah they'd have to run the table and we know next week is part two of this mirror universe nonsense. Ah, that is correct that seems real unlikely yeah. voyager still sitting at two still sitting at two but hey <laughs> two yeah two's real bad two out of 93 um, but since their last week is week 168, <laughs> they do have the possibility to finish yeah. with uh, over 70 wins. I mean, yeah, they, it could happen. They'll be facing fewer comp- fewer episodes of competition yeah. each week. So. They'll probably sneak a few in there. You know, like, uh, mm, I mean. Maybe I the baseball what... week falls on the same week as uh, Dark Page or something. No, that'll have a take. Yeah, something like um, that. I mean. Genesis. You know. <laughs> There's an episode called Dr. Bashir, I presume, of Deep Space Nine. Um, that's in the same week as the Masterpiece Society. I think they're rooting for Voyager there. <laughs> oh, no, you know Masterpiece Society has a take. Yeah, I it's guess it's going to have a take. Uh, oh, boy. That's why I Actually, took back a, Dark Page a, and replaced it with Genesis. Ooh, okay, here's a, here's a possibility. Uh, in week 120, okay. we have the perfect mate. Okay, okay, okay. And for Deep Space Nine, we have something called Empok Nor. Oh, yeah, that's not going to be great. That doesn't seem like it'll be good. 
Um, so, you know, I don't, I mean, Voyager's titles are all uninspiring. That one is called survival instinct. Doesn't seem like it'll be good, but I bet it's better than Voyager's week 121 episode barge of the dead. (laughs) I know what that's about. (laughs) It's about a (laughs) mythical Klingon barge of the dead. Yeah. I don't worry. I fought on it. Oh, okay. That's right. You've got all the, did you think that didn't get into Star Trek online? Because of course it did. Of course it did. So, yeah, uh, that's where we stand after 93 weeks. Okay. Next week, um, possibly the most contentious of our Star Wars reviews, The Last Jedi. Oh, because we've talked before about how you liked it and I did not like it. You and I are different. uh, have different positions on this movie after what we've watched so far. I'll be watching it with a critical eye, so we shall see. Yeah. And uh, then two weeks from now, week 94 of our Star Trek project, we're watching The Drumhead. Fucking thank God. Finally, thank God. That one's all, I mean, that one's, we know that's about something. Yeah. Uh, Watching The Quickening. The Quickening. Not exciting. Uh, Voyager's season five uh, opener, Night. You know, the, the episode started, like, after the other one ended. It just, like, started on its own. (laughs) <laughs> and we were just straight into some fucking Captain Proton bullshit. So, oh, no. I, I don't know what the episode's about, but I know that's where it starts, and I was not excited about it. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah. But not as terrible as the thought of having to watch In a Mirror Darkly Part 2. But it's so sexy, bro. Yeah, I know. I know, man. Though so she's got them legs, and everyone else has them abs and everything. Yeah. It's a real, it's a whole thing. Sexy. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot, been lots of kissing. So much, so much kissing. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, boy, yeah. There's nothing to look forward to for sure. We got, we got a lot of sci-fi coming up. We won't have another mailbag for a few weeks. So, uh, but still, send us mail. That's uh, at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Uh, you can go to Brother Date, check out all of our cool project uh brackets and charts and things um you can send us email that's brothers at brotherate.com find us on all of the pod platforms all of them yeah leave us some reviews leave us a five-star review that'd be fucking hilarious yeah and if you are our listener in singapore that's right just just drop us a line and explain why have you enjoyed it it? because we talked about living with lydia (laughs) singapore of the third largest country in our analytics i have um in terms of watches i've only tagged about 13 episodes living with lydia (laughs) so i I can't be all of it (laughs) all right billy bong is that it that is it all right well you stay on your side of the house and i'll stay on mine we're doing a sitcom and then Riker sounds like this oh i'll never love again Oh, I'm devastated. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to name my kid Jean-Luc. <laughs> Please subscribe.